So I got an email from Ori Spado out of America. Old school. There's not many of that crowd left on the earth. And he said, you got to interview Joe here. And if you're not familiar with Joe, I just watched his interview with Steve Rafe, who we've also done a lot of stuff with. Very prominent family out of London. Highly respected. Lots of stories about the craze. But also now, and in the description box for this video, we've got all of Joe's links. He's got this book out, Unlicensed, Who's the Governor? So his family, very prominent in the unlicensed boxing world. And we've had Jamie Boyle on here, and he's told us stories about Roy Shaw and some of the other characters in this. There you go. Roy, pretty Roy Shaw. And um, people who are interested in these huge names should go down in the description box and check this book out. So thanks for coming on, Joe. Do you want to tell us what your history is with Ori? Uh, me and Ori, yeah. We, uh, we go back a long way. Uh, we started off, it was in the music industry. Started off in the music industry, me and my father, when we was uh, managing Mark Morrison and uh, a couple of these guys. And, uh, and so, like, uh, you know, Mark had to go out to Los Angeles. When he's gone out to Los Angeles, Mark's, how can I put it, he can get himself into trouble. Do you know what I mean? So, so when he went out to Los Angeles to do his album, which Warner's put up a lot of money for, now what we wanted was someone to keep an eye on him. Now, you know, I'm not flying all the way out there and everything else. So, so we, so you know, we got in touch. We started working with Oi and Oi, and they come well recommended by some people in in New York and stuff like that. And it went from there. Really, we struck up a, a relationship, and then we looked after Mark, and then we started doing other bits of business with each other, and you know, and it's gone from gone from you know, we're still like me and Oi like that now. You know, very close. You know. So when he got out of prison, did you go visit him? Yes, uh, when he got out, you know, he was. Uh, I jumped on a plane and went to see him, and uh, I ended up spending. Uh, I was staying on his couch. <laughs> 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 you know, he come out, and uh, you know, I think I said, you know, I'm going to come out and stay in the Beverly Hills Hotel, and he went, Nah, Joe, you got to come and stay with me. So I thought, all right, all right, yeah, that's fine. You know, I ended up sleeping on the couch. You know, he put a duvet on there with some pillars. And it was a lovely apartment, though. Right? Yeah. It, was, it was nice, you know what I mean? So we had a good time. And I ended up, I was going out, going out there for about one week. And I ended up staying out there over five weeks, I think it was. Yeah. I ended up staying out there. You know, I loved LA. You know, I was going to move out there. So I yeah. was as well before the SWAT team came. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, so... More than half of our viewers are out of the States. Do you want to explain your family name? I mean, people in the UK are familiar, but your family name and, and what your dad did. Yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, what we did was, you know, uh, we do what we have to do to get by, really. Yeah. You know, but over the years, we've made a lot of connections. You know, if you're talking about the, like my father, my father was involved with a payola years ago in America. We... Uh, I think it was Joey's Grove, I think it was. Um, there was a lot of guys, you know, he actually, he was actually indicted on the, on, a, on an FBI thing, my father was, but obviously my dad was in England and, and it didn't go forward. Mm. So there's always been that connection there. And then with the American mob, the guys, uh, when they come over to London in the 60s doing the casinos, and, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of people then, they come over and, 
And in America, like the guys I've dealt with, like, you know, the guy I used to work with for a while, he was a guy called Danny Sims, who was Bob Marley's manager. And when Danny come to work in the UK, he's, he's been working in New York under Joe Piney, who was involved with uh, Gotti and all them guys. Yeah. So he had to pay off in New York. It's all about payoff. If you, if you want to earn money, you've got to be paying someone some money. So when he's come to London, he's thought to him, he's waiting for the arm. He's waiting for someone to, you know, and but he, they've got that wavelength where they're so ingrained into them. They actually want that security. They want that blanket. Yeah. Even though they might not need it in the UK, but they just got that that mindset where, oh, where's the top guy? I want to pay him some money that way. If I've got a problem here or a problem there, you know. So we started working on that side of it with like with my father, and that that branched out to Sugar Knight. Uh, working with Death Row and you, you know and stuff like that, but uh, with the American connection, you, you know, it goes on a lot of years. A lot of years it does. So that brought to mind you see in these craze films where the Americans reach out and try and establish a relationship with the craze. <laughs> Do you want to tell us how realistic that was? Uh, well, well, first of all, I boycotted the film Legend. I actually uh, and I actually found John Pearson up. And actually said to him, and I said, they had a guy, you know, I said, look, I don't care about a man's sexuality. Do you know what I mean? Keep it yourself, though. But there was stuff that was put in that film. That scene where Ronnie Craig's going, I like Italian boys. Right? There is no way in a million years, I'm telling you now, Ronnie Craig would say that. that what, why did they put that in the bloody, you know what I mean? Why did they put that in? I don't know why. And and then there was other story, Pearson done a, a story, uh, it was uh, about Reggie and Ronnie were sleeping with each other, and like, and I'm like, well, was you there? <laughs> Did you see it? Right now, you know, let's think about it rationally. Now, John Pearson interviewed the twins when they was doing professional violence. The twins were suspicious of everyone. You know, they're old. There's old school villains, right? Suspicious of everyone. Now, all of a sudden, this reporter comes in and starts interviewing them. Now, is Ronnie going to go to a reporter? I want to tell you something in confidence. I used to shag my brother up the arse. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it, yeah. it, it's fantasy. It didn't happen, right? It, it, you know. So I phoned him up and I said, ain't you had enough fucking meat off the bones? You probably, I don't know what you just got paid out, a legend film, but I should imagine it's in six figures. Right? Ain't you had enough headlines and enough money that you got a, they're both dead that you got to make up crap like that, you, you know. So, you, you know, but then going back to the to the other bit, the mob bit, with uh, the, the mob, the mafia, and when they come over to London years ago, it was uh, it was funny, it was like my dad and uh, the Nash family, Johnny Nash. Yeah. And, um, and the Olympic Club and, you know, a couple of other places. And then all of a sudden, one day, through Bert Battles Rossi, because of the Italian connection, uh, Ronnie Craze got a meeting with my dad and Johnny Nash and I've got a good earner, John. I've got a blinding earner, do you know what I mean? We can earn some money. Yeah. And then they started saying about the mafia thing. Mm. With my dad and John already had it sorted. Right? And, and the funny story is, it was like the mob, the, my dad and John actually, the, the mob were paying my dad and John the money, not Ronnie or Reggie Craze. And my dad and Johnny was giving them money to keep them out the bloody club because they were losers. <laughs> you know, you got to remember the thing with Reggie and Ronnie. Everywhere they went, they went 20, 25 handed. Everywhere. 
You, they'd never go anywhere one, you know, by their own. They always had a, a, an entourage of complete and utter. Some of them were decent, nice fellas, but they always had an entourage of fucking, you know. You'd look at them and just think, oh, you know, and they dragged that everywhere they went. And that was the truth with, with, with the mob scene. You, yeah. you know, that was what it was. I was actually paid money to oh, go, and, go and drink up the road. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they, they'd come and drink in here and bring all these idiots down yeah. here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that was it, really. It wasn't a protection thing because that was all he'd been taken care of. No yeah. one's shot. Was it no. in the Steve Rafe interview where you described um, introducing your schoolmates to the craze? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a funny, uh, that was funny, right? You know, I grew up, the craze to me wasn't what the craze are to everyone else, really. Do you know what I mean? It was like, you know, obviously I knew they was uh, well known. But, uh, you know, I grew up in my dad, Roy Shaw, Johnny Nash, and, you know, Mad Ronnie Fire, and, you know, all these guys around the house all the time. Uh, Peter Tilly's, Peter Marshall's, and Freddie, you know. So the twins were... You know, to me, I started going to visit them with my dad, and then, and then I started going to visit them on my own because it was a hospital. You can visit every day, so sometimes I'd be there in the morning and the bloody afternoen. And I used to just say to my mates <laughs> who are like 16, 17, do you want to come visit Ronnie Cray? And those guys like, yeah, they'd tell their fathers, and they'd go, oh, you're going to see Ronnie Cray. <laughs> you, you, you know, most would take them up, and you know, I mean, uh, you know, I must have visited Ronnie two hundred times, three hundred times. Were there any other notorious people in those uh, visits? Yeah, you you, you had uh, you had Sutcliffe was in there, Yorkshire Ripper. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'll be honest with you, I had a, a couple of times I had to yeah pull myself back, you know. But uh, it was one the first time I see him, I cut the visit short. I just mm. said, to him, I said, I can't see anyone. You know, yeah. I said, you know, and funny enough, he had a bird with him, and the bird's touching his head. Right, and and the birds touching his head, and and, and they're kissing, <sighs> and I'm sitting like that, me and Ronnie over over a table, and I'm like, and I, and it's in my eyes, so you know yeah. what I mean? it's, it's there, and I'm like, and and Ronnie's talking to me, and I keep seeing this, and I'm, I'm like, well, I've got to go, mate. He went, well, what, what, what's the matter, like, and if I'd have done something, I'd get Ronnie into trouble. So like in my head, I thought just cut the visit short. Yeah. And then next time I went to see him, you know, but he didn't have a lot of visits, Sutcliffe. Do you know what I mean? And like, like I'm saying, I visited Ronnie for a lot of years. Yeah. And I bumped into him twice. And, you know, and I could pretty much say I was up visiting him at least once a week. Yeah. For three or four years, sure. You know what I mean? So. So you've touched on something there. There's this code that's changed, unfortunately. People I uh, associate with in America, old school Italian mafia code, don't harm mm. women, don't harm kids. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, you've got the the drug gangs have escalated. Albanians mm. will show up, take your eyeballs out, petrol bomb your mum's house. The cartels kill your whole family, video it, put mm. it on YouTube. What do you think about the change in the code? Well, it's, you know, when you, when, when you look at things, uh, if you have a row with a man, you, you, you know, I mean, why the row with some fellas years ago and they, and, uh, and they said to me, they said, Joe, you broke the rules. He broke the rules. He said, you went to the man's front door. I said, you know, I said, you're taking a piss or what? I said, the fucking, you know what I mean? When you're having a row, I don't know, do you know what I mean? I said, that's for you telling me that. I've actually paid you money to go to someone's fucking front door. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, but, but, you know, it has gone to another level in there because, look, if you look at the English villains, 
Uh, you know, if you look at fellas who are in gangs at the moment, you know, they've got a wife, they've got kids, a lot of them got mortgages. They've got, they got something to lose. You know, you've got a gang of Albanians. You know, I'm not saying Albanians as the fucking, I'm just saying them as a fucking, uh, as an example. And they're over here. They ain't got no wife. They ain't got no kids. They ain't got, you, you know, they can, they can make a phone call and get a fellow who's living in the fucking hills in fucking some village and say to him, come over here tomorrow. All you've got to do is go and carve that fellow up and I'll give you a couple of hundred quid. There's 200 quid of that. And not only because of the families as well, you know, in them little villages and them places like where the Italians were. You know, if they're told to do something, it's like a big honour for them. You know, I'm going to London to, 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 help, to help the people. You, you know, you can't compete with that. Do you know what I mean? You can't compete with, 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 a, with like, at me say that. With, with, look, I'll back down, no man. I don't, I don't look for vows or nothing like that, right? But, you, you know, but when, when, you, when you get to our age now and you start thinking yourself going into that game again, you're looking at going to prison. You're that well known, you know what I mean? The end result is you, 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 you're, you're going to end up getting nicked and doing 20 life beyond. beyond the door. Them guys ain't thinking that. They couldn't care less. You know, so you can't, it's hard, Sean, to compete with that. It's the same with the, you know, with the Mexicans, you know. And over there, that, that country's so corrupt, it's unbelievable. You know, it's, you know. Have you watched any episodes of Queen of the South? I think I watched the cut. Some of the yeah, someone asked me. I watched the cut. Oh, it's of them, really yeah. good. It shows is the it corruption. Good? Yeah, the governor's running the coke and everything, and using the military to wipe out the competition. I'll tell you a funny thing. I got before this lockdown. I just got a phone call. Uh, someone sent me a thing over, and uh, it was from Carlos es uh, uh, Escobar. Uh, his brother. He's just come out of prison, and uh, and they're talking about doing a documentary on his paintings. Oh wow. So uh, someone sent it to me, you yeah, know? and then they went, "Joe, can you put?" Because they know I'm in the film game, you know, with people. So, so yeah, so I went, um, "What they want?" So when they're going to fly you out to Medellin, and you've got to stay, you've got to go and stay at the Escobar house. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, uh. like, I'm like, "Are you fucking? Are you for sure?" I'm like, you yeah. know, what I mean, I'm, they want me to go out and stay at bloody Escobar's house. <laughs> you know, I was thinking to be half of Scotland Yard sitting there waiting for me <laughs> the, the time I get off the bloody plane. But then COVID it, and so you know, what I, mean? I don't know much more about it. On the subject of Escobar, then uh, Juan Pablo the Son says he gets messages every day from young people. They've watched too many episodes of Narcos, and they just think, "Oh, Pablo's so cool. How can I be like your dad?" And he says to them, no, you do not want to be like my dad. Yeah. What do you say to these young people who've got gangsteritis? Uh, it's a tough life. Do you know what I mean? You know, I was, funny, I was talking to someone the other day, you know, and, uh, and we was laughing, you know, and uh, it looks glamorous and everything else. But believe me, we've been to a lot more funerals than what we had bloody weddings. I tell that now, you know, and that's what I say. You, you know, you've got to have broad shoulders. Because there's no fun, you know. I've seen people go to pieces, tough people go to pieces. You know, it's, it's hard. You know, you have a row with another little firm, and 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 it turns serious, and you know they're going to come through your front door. You know when they get hold of you, they bump, they put him on in your head. Are you telling me you're going to go indoors that night and sit down and have all the kebab and watch Coronation Street? No, you ain't. <laughs> do, do you, know what I mean? you know, you can't talk to your missus, you can't talk to your kids, you can't do any work because it's on your mind 24 hours a day. You can't sleep at night, you're waking up at six o'clock in the morning and then you're running about like a fucking idiot the next day risking, you know, tooling yourself up, risking getting... Sorry, someone's next. phone. Someone's phone is ringing. You all right to turn it off? Yeah, okay. Thank you. <laughs> 
Got it, got it. You know, and then, yeah, you, yeah, then, then you're running about. You might not, you, you know, you're running about three or four-handed in a car and you, you, you might be told up to the eyeballs and, and all of a sudden you think, you, you, you know, the old Bill might just pull you over. And, you know, you're going to get, like I said, you're going to get lumped off or what. It's, it's not a good, it's, it's not, it's finished now, it's gone. Do you know what I mean? If you want to be a criminal now, you, you know, be a politician. <laughs> They're the biggest ones in the yeah, world. Yeah, you, you know, or, or, or go into the stock market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, accountancy, I say, you know. Yeah. You know, do something. But but it, the old game is 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 gone. You, you know, there's a lot of money in drugs still, but it's, contra- it's controlled by the, you know, it's controlled by the foreigners, you know. So... Growing up then, your dad was in prison quite a bit. Mm. How did that affect you? Uh, it was tough. It was tough, but uh, it started from such an, uh, an early age. It was it was expected. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was, uh, um, you know, some of the earliest memories I can have is visiting my dad in prison. And so, uh, you know, my house was always a little bit different. You know, and, you know, I'm not saying it disrespectful to me mates or anyone else, but uh, but you know, I should go around my mates' houses and their dads would be sitting there and they'd they'd be like, you know, they look like fuddy duddies. They look like, do you know what I mean? And 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 you go around my house and there was these big, powerful Roy Shaws and men and joking about and drinking and having a laugh and. You know, when my dad was out, you know, she go down the pub and they should come back and eleven, twelve o'clock at night, bang the card table would come out. Ten of them, you know, you know, on a Friday night, all playing cards, all having a drink, and you know, and he's go, Joe boy, you know, shit, and I'd be in bed, come down, shape up, and I'd stand there shaping up like that, and everyone would give me a five or a couple of quid, you know, you know I mean, pound notes in them days, wouldn't it? You know, yeah, you know, pound notes, and uh, you know, and I used to wait for him on a Friday night. I was go, oh, God, I'll earn me sort of ten, I'll go dead, you know. What I mean? <laughs> so it was always different, Sean. It was always a, you know, the prison thing was hard. It was hard. When I got older, I realised how hard it was on my mum. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It was more hard on my mum than what it was me, to tell the truth. You know, as I got a little bit older, when the old man went to Nick, I was like, God, I've got the licence to do whatever I fucking want. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, I was like the man of the ass then, you know what I mean? So, And this was back when your mum could take your dad a Sunday roast into the prison? Yeah, yeah. She allowed that back then? Amazing. Wow. You know, I, I remember when my dad got pulled in at Brixton, it was over... Uh, it was over a, a fraud thing. It was over, and um, and they arrested. I think it was about fifty of his mates, and so um, there was there was like forty five of them or something, all remanded in Brixton. So all the all the women on a Sunday or whatever will be queued up. Everyone knew each other. You know, I go I go I go in to visit me. I go, God, there's my granddad, there's my uncle Ted, there's my uncle Dan. Do you know what I mean? There's Terry, there's Peter. Do you know what I mean? Everyone knew each other. Yeah. And and you could used to be able to take the. You know, my mum used to be going in, and there were all the wives are queuing up with like these Sunday lunches with, with silver foil over oh, it. And we're kidding, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, absolutely crazy. But that's Brixton. Yeah, Brixton. Yeah, Brixton prison. That was. How come you had to go on the run at age one? Uh, funny story. It was uh, yeah. I wasn't on it, man. But uh, I'd just been born, and the craze had just been arrested. And you know, Johnny and my dad was doing a lot of work with them. They was working with the clubs and everything up the West End. So uh, 
So like, you know, some, you know, it's an old thing what people usually do, you know, someone close to you gets nicked and, and, you know, you might not actually be involved in what they got nicked for, but you've been doing work with them. So you think to yourself, well, you know, have it on my toes for a little bit to see what happens. Yeah. So, you, you know, a lot of people was getting pulled in at the time when the twins got nicked. And, uh, and the old man and Johnny went, well, I'll tell you what, look, we don't want to get pulled in for this fucking murder because Jack Yatt was one of my dad's best mates. Mervitty, come out, come out of our man, come out of South London. Yeah. And he was one of my dad's early members, like one of the fellas on my dad's firm. And mm. there was a lot of rows between my dad and Ronnie and all them over what happened as well. So, but, but so they turned man and went like, we'll go. So they booked a villa out in Italy. And I'm one years of age and we're, we're hiding out in Italy <laughs> until the trial. And when the trial, you, you know, and every, they, they knew they weren't going to get pulled in. That was it. We'll come back home. So uh, did your side not think that Jack the Hat had it coming? It's a difficult question. Um, he was, he, he, he was our work. And we've all led them mates who are, who are our work. Uh, whether he had that coming to him was maybe a bit excessive. And in later years, Tony said to me as well, Lambiano and, and a couple of other people said, yeah, it, he didn't deserve that job. A good hiding, a good clump. But, the, but a good hiding, a good clump, Jack won't come back. So that's what I was worried about. Because Jack was no, you know, that fella, what's his name, Moody, who played in the, in the first Craze film, good actor. But they made him out to be an old man. Jack weren't. Jack was a big powerful guy and believe me he could have a round and, and the twins would have been in trouble if he would have come at them so like you, you know maybe it was a little bit of a a little bit of cowardice on their part where like if we give them a good idea we've got to watch our backs let's just do it and then maybe Ronnie was Reggie and everything else what happened in that room you know there's other things I heard in that room as well what what went on where maybe Jack didn't give him a chance you know he made one you know he actually made one with him and it escalated where it went but he died like a slag, what they'd done to him. You know, he died like a slag. I told Tony Lobrano that as well. I said, what, what, how he was set up and took to that, you know what I mean, was wrong. And Tony went, I agree with you, Joe. You, you know, he didn't deserve Jack. He, Jack was a solid man. You, you, you know, he'd he, he done a lot of birds. He actually got a birch. He was one of the old people who actually got a birch. In, I think he's was at prison. And, um, you know, but he, he, if you was in the nick and you had a, you had a row with someone with the screws, he would be with you. He, he wouldn't make out he ain't seen you. He would go, right, I'm with you, Joe. So he was solid in that way. Do you know what I mean, Sean? So with the craze then, the, the thought process, were they becoming increasingly out of control to do things like this? From what I've heard, you, you know, they was, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult really because like, you know, they're not here. Yeah. They're not here. So, but, you know, if, if, you know, if something I put actually put in the book, uh, it was something. And, um, you know, I said, uh, my dad and Johnny Nash and Roy Shaw, they should go down to Great Morris and see Reggie and Ronnie and stuff. Now and again, when they're doing bits of work. When them three walked in the pub, everyone in the pub knew who the power was. You know, you got to remember about the Cray twins. you got to remember there was a magnetism about them. Twins. Do you know what I mean? If you walked into a pub today, me and you went for a drink down the road, and there's two identical twins <laughs> that could be dressed in leather jackets and jeans, right? You're drawn to them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. a, that magnetism about them. Mm -hmm. But now you've got two twins who dress like Al Capone, 
<laughs> acts like Al Capone. You, you, you know, they're sitting there smoking cigarettes, like, you, you know, acting like that. Like, yeah. and, and, and they were dangerous bastards. Don't get me wrong. You, you know, the twins from you know, the stories I know, you, you know, if, you, if they had a row with you, you know, you, you had a problem. You, you know, you did have a problem. Yeah. So they had that charisma about them. <laughs> but... You know, going back to what you're saying about was they getting out of control? Yeah, they was getting out of control. But would, would they have kept getting away with it? Yeah, they probably would have done it to the truth. There's a few stories about people saying they was going to kill them and iron them out. I don't know about that. I mean, you, you know, you know, we all get the ump with people and we can all say things, but, you, you know, but, uh, but the twins were, you know, especially Ronnie, he was a... Uh, like if if me and you was out one night and we had a row, I'd you'd get a phone call next morning, and Ronnie, but I heard you had a row last night, Joe. And I heard uh, did everything all right. Can we help you? To to know what I'm saying they 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 were proper, you, you know they were proper like uh, loyal to their friends. So yeah, you know I don't know. You know a lot of things can be said about people when they're dead. You know about I was going to kill this one and kill that, but I, you know. Who knows, Sean? There's rumours that they lasted so long because they were blackmailing politicians. Mm. Anything on that to say? Well, it was. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, you know without a shadow of a doubt. You, you know, Bernie had, uh, you know, Craig Lino's and place like that. You know, Craig Lino, people used to get in there years ago and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, my dad used to tell me, he said, sometimes we used to go in the West End and, and like, you know, you know, we'd be up there on the way to the Olympic Bar or the Astor or something and we'd, we'd pop in and see Ronnie. He said, he said, he used to fucking take us to these weird bars, you know, but they weren't even bars, you know, like these places in, in, in uh, these muse houses, what, you, you, you know, like rich, but they turned into a gentleman's club and all yeah. that. He said, we used to go up there and Ronnie would be sitting like that, you know, be sitting there and there'd be a fellow in the corner like playing a, a violin. <laughs> you know, he'd <laughs> be sitting like that and you'd have all these, you know, all them politicians and all the judges and all them people, they go to them type of places. Yeah. And my dad and Johnny would be going like, God, what the fucking hell are we doing in here? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know? So he, he did have that influence. Whether mm-hmm. it was because of his sexual orientation, mm-hmm. he was probably... Open a few doors for him that side of it, yeah. But uh, you know, the, there was a few people. What Boothby and, and and other people. There was a few people, you know, who, who was. But you know, I don't really know. I've yeah. never really asked. I never asked Ronnie about that question, Sean. So you were at all three big fights. We've got Roy Shaw versus Lenny McLean. What was it like meeting those giants? Oh, you know, it was. Uh, they were, they were larger than life, you know. It was the first fight, you know, I was only, of course, eight years of age, the first fight, you, you know. Uh, but I could still remember Rent Lenny and, uh, and, and you know, he had this big head, do you know what I mean? It was like, you know, and I don't mean, I love Lenny, but I don't mean that in a horrible way, but he had this big head, this big, and I, I, even when I was a kid, I was like, he, he half scared me, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just men, you could feel the menace coming off of him. Yeah. Where Roy was, Roy was a, uh, Roy was a lot smaller, and Roy was Roy was more, you, you, you know, um, uh, fiery. Do you know what I mean? Roy was very fiery. Yeah. And uh, you know, more intense. You know, uh, but Lenny had that size. You know, when he walked into a room, especially when he become twenty odd stone as well. 
when he became 20 odd stone. And he was, uh, you, you know, and I was, you know, I, I, obviously Roy was a good mate of my dad's. So I was, you know, when he when Roy got beat by Lenny in the second fight, uh, you, you know, it was I was still a kid, but it was a it was a shock. It was a shock, and then I was at the third fight where Roy, where Lenny destroyed Roy. You know, there's no doubt about it. You, you know, uh, it's in the book. When I write in the book, and people are always trying to make excuses for fights, and I say, look, you can always sit here and say this, this. I said, but the facts are, Roy won one fight, and Lenny won. Lenny won two fights. No matter what the reasons or whatever else, because we can all pull them out of the fucking air, the facts are what can never be changed. He was one to Roy, two to, two to Lenny. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. know. But they were two big, very, very powerful characters, Sean, you know. So your early work was collecting money for your dad. Mm. And you did some errands for the craze. Could you want to give us some details about that kind of work? Yeah, it was, you know, the old man was doing what he was doing and I was just getting older. And, uh, and so, like, you, you know, it started off, like, you know. When when I was a kid, we, we used to go around sometimes. With, I was always with the old man and we used to go around collecting a couple of quid here and there. And, and, then, um, and then he used to trust me to go and pay people and drop money off here and there. And, you, you know, and it was uh, sometimes in them days, it was a lot of money. You know, you're talking about threes and four hundred grands, and you know, it was, it was funny. Like, you, you know, I remember once with your old man, he was sitting there, my dad and Brian, you know, me, we sitting there, and, uh, and he's going, Joe, come upstairs, and I and they got three hundred grand on a bed. And for some reason, I don't know what it is, I'm, I've got to sit there with socks on and wipe every bloody note down. And I think they give me 20 quid, the cheeky bastards, you know what I mean? I was there all day from about nine o'clock in the morning to about nine o'clock at night, you know. But, um, yeah, yeah, you know, it was, you know, I knew what he was doing. I got older. I knew what he was doing. It, you know, it was, wasn't, didn't hurt anyone. Do you know what I mean? You know, it was harmless and that. And so I ended up going, going in it. And then with the twins as well, with Ronnie. I was visiting Ronnie and, uh, and Ronnie used to ask me to do little bits and bobs for him. And, uh, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie was the best asker in the world. You know, he had a thing about him where, where you know, he'd sit there and, and even even the way he began, he went, Joe, Joe, he went, uh, can I ask you for a favour, please, mate? You know, the way he said, you'd go, yeah, of course. You know, you don't go, what is it? <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're, you know, I'm, yeah, of course, Ron, you know what I mean? And they go, right, listen, I've got... Uh, I got two grand or three grand coming tomorrow. Like, uh, can you take it? Can you drop it off somewhere for me? And I go, yeah, yeah, sweet. And I was like, oh, right, here, put a list out. We got twenty names on the list. You know what I mean? <laughs> take five hundred of him. Take, and I oh, for fuck's sake! You know, I'll be busy for the next three days. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, know, but, you know, but he's in the nick. I was out, so yeah, you know, I didn't mind it. So we encourage people to get into sports and martial arts and boxing and to stay away from crime. Mm -hmm. Some young people, they hit a crossroads in their life and they got to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Were you at that crossroads? Because didn't you get into boxing yourself? Yeah, you, you know, I was always boxing. And, uh, you know, my dad was a pro boxer, so I grew up boxing. Uh, you know, and then uh, I was fighting and uh, amateur and... And then also, like, we was getting up in the morning, not when I was 16, 17, and we're going out to uh, 
you know, in them days we used to drive to Newbury and stuff like that and go and nick ornaments in, you know, like Captain of Monty ornaments, 500 pound ornaments, you know, you know and, 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 you know, all of a sudden I'd be saying to the fellas, right, it's half past three, right, I've got to go back to the gym. And I was go, oh, Joe, we're all the, we're all the fucking way. We've got another two shops to do. You know? And I was, I was going, listen, we got, I've got to be back in the gym. Yeah. I've got to be back, you, you know. And, then, you know, we used to just get the money and go out drinking on the nights. And then, then we started drinking and everything else. And, and then one thing led to another. And, and, you know, 17, 18, you know, bits and bobs for me, bits of trouble here and there. Before I know it, I'm too old. You know, I just thought yeah. I ain't turning pro at 26, 27 years of age. And, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, Marvin Agler said a fantastic statement years ago. He said, it's very hard getting out of bed at half past five in the morning and going for a run in silk pyjamas. <laughs> you know, and it's the truth. You, you know, when you're hungry, and you want to fight. But when you know you can go out and earn yourself a grand year on the next day, you, you know, or 500 quid or whatever, it's tough. You've got to be dedicated. If you're not dedicated, don't do it. Yeah. Because you get hurt. You know. But the consequences are yeah. prison, like you said earlier. What was your first arrest? Oh, first arrest. Uh, 14 years of age, I think I was. And I was in Putney High Street and I nicked a shirt and then I took it back without the receipt and said, I bought this shirt. <laughs> Could I have the money back? And uh, we'd done it once and then we went about an hour later and we'd done it again. And it was for deception of fraud. It was, and I got a uh, caution. I think it was. I think it was. That, that was the first. You know, what I mean, then there was a lot of cobblers. You know, obstruction of footpath and bloody uh, ABH and little crap. You know, what I mean, I had about ten not guilties on on the spin. You know, what was your first arrest that sent you to prison? Oh, that was. Well, that was ABH. That was ABH. We we're, were fighting. You know, with. Uh, How did the fight come about? It, it happened. There was a couple of kids. And um, we just moved into an area, and uh, one of the kids with a. Uh, it was funny. He, he was a cat birds or something. We was talking, and I was like, oh, "Yeah, I couldn't care less about them." And then I'm walking up the road, and the fellas walked up, and he's put a, he's walked up, and went, "You son, you said this," and he's put a knife up to my throat. So, um, you know, so I turned around, and I, I'm, you know, no, it weren't me. I have got a knife up my throat. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's not the movies here where you go stab me. I mean, that weren't me, mate. <laughs> So he's gone, go, oh, fuck up. You know what I mean? I went, mean, all right, all right. I walked around the corner. I ran back to my house with a baseball bat. I run, run, I've got a baseball bat, come back looking for him. He's gone. He's on the bus. He's gone. So now I know he carries a knife. So I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't want to carry a knife. I don't, I, 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 look, look, I don't want to have a 50 50 with a knife. You know what I mean? If you're coming at me with a knife, I want to end, I want to end the fight quick without getting stabbed. Do you know what I mean? Shot, man. So I thought, I can't carry a baseball bat around me all fucking day and night, can I? So what am I going to do? So I ended up getting some brown salted ammonia and put it in a Vic Sinex. <laughs> and in them days, no one had heard about this, you know what I mean? In, in like Malden. And then I bumped into him and I squirted him up and I'd done him. And then, uh, and then that escalated and then a little bit. And then... Um, you know, and then all of a sudden, I didn't actually go, I didn't actually get Nick for that. I got Nick for bashing one of his mates up. And then we got nicked and then we got, well, I got put away for a little bit. And then came out. But, that, you know, that was funny. That that was funny. But it was, because of my upbringing as well, I was a little bit different from the other kids. Do you know what I mean? It was like, you know, I mean, Nan always said to me, Joey, if you're going to do something, do something different. And when you, when you do have a row with someone, be wicked. 
you know what I mean? That's what she used to say to me. So I done things different. Try to do things that make a bit of an impression, you know what I mean? So, you know. So how were you received in prison then? I imagine you knew a few people. Yeah, 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 we knew a few people. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I was looked after, I suppose, in a way, you could say. You know, the first time I was there, you know what I mean? People come in, you're right for backy, you're right for chocolate, you're right for rich crackers, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you know, give me what I wanted. Um, it was all right. Uh, you know, so when when a few years later, when I got nicked, uh, uh, it was funny that the, the old bill it, it come on me uh, for conspiracy. Yeah, I had that one. Yeah, you know, and um, we we were sitting in the car, and bash, they've come from everywhere. I actually had nine cars following me, so nine fucking cars. You know what I mean? And I'm pretty good at clocking a tower in the middle, but nine cars. And then we're sitting there, and me crashed, they done, dragged out a motor, and nicked. Um, and uh, I actually got pulled in, they, and uh, they, they were saying about uh, crimes from the Brinks Matt robbery, uh, uh, proceeds of the Brinks Matt robbery, drugs, and all that. Right? Do you know what they found in the fucking car? Mirrors, right? What you look at yourself in the, in, yeah. the, in the fucking mirror, right? But they, because it was all in boxes, they thought it was all packed out with something else. So, but then, then all of a sudden there was some uh, counterfeit notes in there, which was from my mates, and he was a. Uh, he was a financial, my dad was in prison at the time. He was a financial uh, director and he, well, they got their license and they, what's that financial license you got? If you're in, in the financial game, you have to have a financial license, then you? I don't know the name of it in yeah, this country. but you have to, do you know what I mean? But if yeah. you get arrested, you'll, they'll take the license off you. Okay. So, but at the time, my dad was partners with me in this business, silent business, and my dad's in prison, so... Um, so every Friday he's coming around with five hundred quid for a month. You know, he's my dad's proceeds. Now he's nicked at me. That was his his bit of bloody dough. It weren't my dough. Now all of a sudden he gets nicked for it. That money ends. So it's the first time in my life I put my hands up. I can hate it. You know, I've got their mine. Right? You know, and, and uh, put my hands up and owned up to it. And now I got put away for that. Uh, they, they tried and they said, then they said it was conspiracy to manufacture. Five million pounds worth of counterfeit currency. Where they got that from, I do not know. It was Regional Nine. Well, I, I said, "Well, where's that?" To the main, and then, then next thing I know, and it was fun. It was at Kingston Crown Court, and uh, there was like nine or eight or nine bloody uh, Scotland Yard bloody detectives there, and, it, and, and I'm nicked for three hundred, four hundred quid's worth of counterfeit notes. Even the judge is going, "What is going on here? Why is Scotland Yard all sitting here?" Do you know, do you know what I mean? So I got banged up for that. And that was a funny story. With, uh, I went when uh, I've gone now a cat D prisoner. Remember, I'm going to go a fold. I was going to go a fold, and uh, all of a sudden it's about ten o'clock at night. Bang! The doors open, the cells open. So like, what the fuck? I mean, they don't open your doors ten o'clock at night. Do you know what I mean? Something is a death in the family or something. And then uh, so they said, right, there's a phone call for you. I mean, what do you mean there's a fucking phone call? This is Brixton. I said, what do you mean there's a phone call for me? I'm being set up here. You've got to be dragged out and get a clump or something. Can I make you, you know, so I said, what? They've gone downstairs. It's my dad on the phone. Right? He's in Belmarsh, category A, in the unit. And um, and he's on protest with about five, uh, four or five IRA men, right? Mad Dingus McGee and, and all these mob. <laughs> and they've all refused to be banged up. 
They're all sitting there saying, Mike, unless Joe comes to Belmarsh, <laughs> we are not going back in our cells, you know, right? I'm, I'm, I'm Cat D, I'm going to fall, right? You know, the other Joe, right, we're not getting banged up. The governor's come down. They do what you got to do. They've got to bring you to Belmarsh. I'm like, yeah, thanks, Dad. Belmarsh had only been open two years. It was like the highest fucking maximum prison in the country, Sean, you know what I mean? And even when I got the reception, the screws going like, oh, well, I am all tonight. He went, what the fucking hell are you doing here? Do you know what I mean? I mean, I mean you tell me, you know what I mean? I end up doing every day in Belmarsh. Were, were you able to get a cell with your dad? No, he was in the unit. Yeah. He was in the unit. Yeah. And, um, and it was funny, I was I was in uh, House Block 3, I think it was. And then I was in there a day, and then a couple of my dad's mates, a uh, couple of armed robbers and all that, they're shouting out the windows, Joe, you're coming over with us tomorrow. We got you a single Peter. And you know there's a waiting list, isn't there, for cells, single cells. Yeah. I've been in there a day, two days. Wow. The next thing, like, boom, come over, march me round, you know what I mean? I've got this single cell. We was all on the force. Yeah. Uh, and upstairs, it was like there was a few of us, and there was a, there was a Ronnie Field, there was like there was a, uh, a Ulster man there, what they call it, UDF bloody man. He was up there with us, uh, as you call him, Ian Paisley, and there was another kid there, and all he, you know, he used to make me laugh when I first met him. He had a swastika tattooed on his head, called Bigsy. And when I first met, him, I was like, oh, come on, have this. Fucking idiot. National out. front guy. Yeah, I, said, I can't have him wrapped around me, do you know what I mean? That's crazy, because um, when I was a teenager, my uh, best friend, Wildman, ended up his cellmate with Bigsy, and he was telling me all these stories about no, Bigsy. I've Bigsy. never heard that name since yeah. he's told me those stories. Oh, blood. He, he, yeah. used to, he used to get letters from the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, I can imagine. He was in the cell next to me in Belmarsh. Yeah. And, but he... he weren't a bad fella. Take away all that yeah. bollocks. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and like, so there was one thing he'd done one day, and it was a, and he got a letter from someone from another Nick, and it said uh, a guy's, you know, got a parcel, got the money off everyone for the parcel, and then fucked himself off out the Nick. So gone, got the Belmarsh mm. with with all everyone's fucking dough and everything else. You know what I mean? Mm. And he's arrived in Belmarsh, so he's got the letter now. I'm telling you now, a lot of fucking a lot of cons would go. Oh, I never see that letter. Do you know what I mean? I never see it. You, you know, but Bigsy went to me, you know, one day, watch me back, Joe. You know, keep, keep an eye on me like that. He went in the showers and he, and he done the kid up, you know what I mean? Who was the liberty taker. And that to me, I thought, no, you got moles, son. Do you know what I mean? You, you know, there's a bit of fibre to you, you know, you, you know. What he done, you, you know, I didn't agree with like, his swastikas on his head and all that stuff, but but his, his heart was in the right place, you know yeah. what I mean, for that, Sean, you know. Sure that's, that's funny. <laughs> I was yeah, I was a teenager, and he's telling all these stories about Big Z and blah blah blah. And I've never heard that name since. That was mm. thirty years ago. Well, ninety one. I'm going back to when I was in prison. Yeah, yeah, nineteen ninety one. Yeah, yeah. That's that was the year I left for America, mm. <laughs> um, and um, my best friend went to prison. Yeah. Um, so Belmarsh then. Did you bump into like Vic Dark or anyone like that? Stephen Gillen. We had a few guys have said they've been in these prisons. I, I didn't. A lot of them guys were were cat a boys, weren't they? Yeah. And 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 in Belmarsh, you had a prison within a prison. Yeah. You know. And so um, on a Saturday morning, I should get up and they should take me to visit my dad. Mm. And like and you, you know there was um, I bumped into Vic and a few of them, Stephen Says and and Stevie and all them when when, when he was in Whitemore. Yeah, well, I'd say his on as well. Yeah. yeah. When he was in Whitemore, I see a few of them guys. 
And, uh, but in Belmarsh, no, Belmarsh was very, very, you know, it was absolutely, you know, I, had to, I actually got strip search going to see my dad visiting him through glass. <laughs> Do, you know what like? Do you know what I mean? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the prison next door. Yeah. And I'm getting strip searched. You know, it was very regimental. And it, you know, it was very bloody uh, thorough. You know, it was crazy. It was. How long did you serve on that one? That one, nine months. Nine months. And did you get? Did anyone challenge you? Any prisoners or guards? No, not really. In that time, uh, there, there was a funny, um, there was a funny story. Like you, you know, because of who I was, people started. It's funny thing, prison. Well, I say that people. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. you, you can get in a row in prison very, very easy. Very, and it's usually from people, not you. It's from other people. Mm. And it's like a, it, you know, you start getting little clicks. And then someone in your clique will get in a row with someone else, and because he's in your clique, you you, you feel like you've got to defend him, or you got or people are looking at you to go and give the guy a tug. Do you know what I mean, Sean? So yeah, and um, you know there was one there was one thing with there was a, a fellow like a uh, big black fellow he was, and uh, and I was standing there and uh, he's he's having a go at a couple of people, and I was just mind me, I just want no, I'm doing, I'm in never hot bath, I'm doing nine, but I'm coming home, I just want to get home. Yeah. And the release date was right near Christmas and all, so I, was, I didn't want to get in no. If I had to get in trouble, I would, but I just wanted to get out and enjoy Christmas with me with, with my kid and that. Yeah. And uh, so like you know, I kept a little bit, and then one day I went, oh, that, this is coming. So you know, I end up going down to the hot plate room, and uh, all of a sudden you know, I was standing there, and the guys jumped the queue. Right in front of the, one of our mates, you know what I mean? He's jumped the queue like that, and everyone's looking at me like, as it say, Well, you're going to say something, Joe. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, Oi. I said, You know, there's a fucking queue here, don't you? You know what I mean? Mm. So, he, you know, he, like, kissed his teeth, you know what I mean? Walked back, like, flare up like that. Well, I'm like, you, you got a problem? You got a problem? I mean, Yeah, I've got a problem. I've got a fucking problem with you. I kind of poked him right in the stomach. You know what I mean? Really hard in the chest. I go, Oh, problem yeah. with you. And I've got it. Right, bang, he's gone back. He's gone back right now. Now he's like, well, crazy man. I went, crazy man. I went, get the back of the fucking queue. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know and he's going, ah, oh, you're crazy man. I went, yeah, go on, back off, get away from me. You know, <laughs> and, and, you know it's about the closest, really. To yeah. Me, you know, you know, so you get out in the early 90s and your dad's out as well and you decide to get a professional boxing promoter's license. Mm. So you've planning on just trying to make a legit career? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I suppose so. It was mm. just, uh, it, it was funny enough, we was talking, I was talking about me boxing. Mm. I was in a pub in the Red Lion, and we, my dad, Uncle Ted, and a few of us were talking about me boxing. And uh, I said, oh, I think I was about 30 or something, and I mean, 29, 29, 30, and I'm saying, you know, I said, I'll be great every day, Dad, you know, I should have carried on. Mm. People used to say, you know, you'd have been a British champion at least, you know, and and and, and then it just just a flippant comment, just a flippant comment. He just said, you know, he said, why don't you be a promoter? I went, what the fuck am I know about promoting? You know what I mean? He went, he went be a promoter, you, you, you know, and um, and that was it. And then, uh, you know, he obviously knew everyone in the, in the boxing game. I found Harry Holland up the next day and told him he gave me the name for the British Boxing Board of Control, and um, and that was it. Really, I phoned him up, got the interview. They crucified me on the first interview. You know, I never had a clue what questions they were asking me. Uh, give me a little book, went away for a week, come back, and, uh, and passed with flying colours the next time. 
you know, to a man. Like usually they, they actually, like when you're having an interview, there's, you know, it's funny the way they've done it. They're all like ex-barristers and ex-lawyers and they'd put you around this room at 10 chairs <clears throat> and you'd be sitting in a chair and I don't know, and it seemed like your chair was down there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And their chairs are up there. You're like this little fella and they're asking you these questions. Yeah. And, like, well, and, then, and, then, uh, and then what they usually do is they go like, once they've interviewed you, they go, okay, can you go back upstairs now and we'll decide, we have a decision and we'll call you back down. Well, after my second interview, they didn't even do that. They just they just mm. went straight away. Look, we can't fault you on your, what you've answered. You've got your license. You know what I mean? And I couldn't believe it. And I was the youngest. Uh, I don't know whether Frank Warren might have beat me by a few months, but... Uh, I'm not sure because I can't get it. I can't get the exact date out of Frank when he actually got his license. But there wasn't much in between me and Frank. Who was the youngest ever promoter in history? Yeah, for the UK. There's younger promoters now, but at that time, you know. So, what was the Security Union Feds, and why did you start it? Well, that, that's, I was always involved in the security uh, bits and bobs, pensions in clubs and stuff like that in the West End. Mm. Uh, me and Dave Courtney used to run uh, not run doors but we used to look after a few places uh, and then one day we was going and, uh, we, we organised a trip to go and watch uh, Lennox Lewis versus Mike Tyson and uh, one of the guys who uh, asked for a ticket was a solicitor called Richard Mallet, and he'd had one he'd had uh, one he had one office up in Kings Lynn but me and him ended up sitting on a uh, plane all the way to Detroit uh, uh, together uh, Memphis rather so um, during that trip, we come up with a plan to create a union. And, you know, to create a union, you have to have, like, you, you know, your code of conduct, you have to have your books, your, you know, it's your rule books. It, it, it's, it's not easily done. It's very hard to be done. And when we come back, we, we had the idea, we put it in, in motion, uh, got hold of a few good people. Stevie Rafe was on it as well at the beginning. Christian Simpson, a few other doormen. And we used to have me uh, monthly meetings. And all of a sudden, we're the only union in the country for security. TUC started recognising us. And, you know, but it, was, it was funny. People were going, Joe, you know, every single president of a union end up, ends up getting knighted. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, they've got to knight me. Can you imagine that? Yeah, yeah. You know, but it was fun at the time, you know. You did, you did your speech in the House of Commons, but you were voted off the board. Yeah, it was, it was my, it's one good, one thing with me, you know, a lot of people always say about, you know, in, in the family name, you got your, you got your ups and you got your downs with it, you know, and one of the things is when you enter a world like that, mm. it is a, a hindrance, it's not a bonus, you, you know, and you've got security companies, and you know, say like a guy's got a, a 500 people working for him. And I just say, you say to him, look, I want to invite you onto the board. I'll think, well, sign all your men up. You know, we do a deal, we work a deal out or whatever, do you know what I mean? We work our commission, pays you offices for a fucking year. You, you know, uh, something like that. But also they're like, oh, do we want to be involved with Jay Paul? Do we want to be involved with gangsters? Do we want to, you know, protect, is this protection racket? Is What about if we turn around and go, oh, oh, oh we've got to think about it now. We don't want to, we, we want to stop paying. Can they stop paying? This all goes through their head, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it works that way. So so when we're on the board, all of a sudden they're all sitting there, they're talking about it. They're going, you know, I think Joe being the president is a, holding us back. Mm. And I said, well, I created the bloody union, do you know what I mean? It's in my, it's in my bones, 
You know what I mean? I said, I'm, you know, without me, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm passionate about it. Mm. I said, well, you know, it's a bit like the Jimmy Offer thing. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, I was the one kicking people up in the arse. And then uh, I threw the table up in the air, funny enough, when I'm eating. I said, I've had a fucking, boom. I threw the table up in the air. I said, I'm walking out. Then I, I said, I'll tell you something now. I said, I'll give this union two months without me at a fold. I said, with all you wankers, we're all sitting there. I said, you're all going to do it. I don't know Within one month, it was gone. <laughs> I mean, sure, you know. And it could have been something, you know, when we went to the House of Commons and, 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 and we got into parties, we got, we got Labour Party, we got Liberal Party, we got Conservative parties. They're all looking at me thinking, this guy can bring 100, 150,000 voters mm. into us. So they're all courting me. Do you know what I mean? They're all like, you know, they're all, you know, they're all caught in me. All, all want, all want to be in favour with us. So we're holding them off. We're holding them off. And we're going, well, you know, in my head, well, what can you offer us? What are you going to give us? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you know, we had to go and meet a couple of you know, in the, in the bars there and stuff like that. Lord Stevens and a few other people we had meetings with, and and yeah, uh, you know, it was like to give a little speech in front of a few people. And, uh, you know, they're sitting there scratching their asses and picking their nose. <laughs> you know, it was, a, but it was a shame it could have been saying, it could have been saying special. Yeah. You know, to, to be a union as well. And obviously with, with a, you know, the funding, the, the loans, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's the, the money, you know, you're talking about yeah. taking in 500,000, <clears> 10, 12 pounds every month. So there's a lot of cash. There's it a lot of money. You know, all that type of money pulls in and then you invest it into other things and, you, you know, and it, it could have been something, you know, but I give it my best shot and I don't regret it. Mm. I'm happy, I'm proud I've done it, but, you know, it's life, isn't it, you know? So, South Africa, you end up in prison in Angola for diamond smuggling? <laughs> How'd that come about? Oh, that was... Uh, that was a, it was at a time, it was a funny time, it was, it was back in the early 90s. And, um, and it was just before I got back, banged up, funny enough it was. It was, it was. it was a little while before I got put away, what story I just told you before. It yeah. Was, uh, and I was involved in long firms in them days. It was uh, long firms. And um, one of the contacts we had was uh, a lady. I'm not going to say her name, but uh, she was a lady and uh, her grandfather got blown up by the IRA got murdered but she was living in South Africa and uh, she loved the rogue she loved the film you know what I mean so she's phoned me up and she's gone Joe I've got this uh, I've got this warehouse in, in, in Johannesburg and uh, can you come out and run it and we're doing LF you know <laughs> so I'm like <clears throat> I'm like oh I don't know you know and now I'm sitting there and I was saying in the end I've ended up doing it I've jumped on a plane I've gone out there when I walked out there the, the warehouse is as big as fucking Wembley Stadium. And the only thing in the warehouse is, is three boxes with some shoes by, by the far, far end. So I'm, I'm sitting there, I said, right, where's the bank account? She went, oh, we haven't got a bank account yet. I said, are you taking the piss? I said, I said I've flown all the way over here to do that. I said, who's in the chair? So she went, you? I said, what, what, you want me to start a bank account in bloody South Africa? Do you know what I mean? I said, we're, we're weeks away from, from getting a stamp on credit. So in the end, that ended up going, and then through her connections, I ended up meeting a couple of her, um, because there's all national, ex-National Service boys in South Africa. I was in Pretoria, met a couple of boys, and then um, ended up, uh, the guy he was working with was a Jewish guy. He was a Jewish guy, and um, 
and they would they would sapphire emerald smugglers involved in the stones a lot of money big house in joburg um, i ended up hanging about with them and then the first day i was there I was, I was with them like that and all of a sudden as we pulled up to the house there's all these bullet holes in the house and um and i'm like like that so and they get so he said oh no no we have we'd been having arguments and all that with someone and, and, and he's got his young son there and he gets a phone call he says uh, joe we have to go out uh do you know how to use a shotgun? I mean, yeah, well, yeah. He, give me a pump shotgun. He went, we're going, look after my son. I went, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I'm very, you know what I mean? I'm there, machine gun holes in the world. But, so we ended, ended up being mates, ended up going on, ended up going on. And then, uh, and then we started uh, his connections with fellas in the ANC. And, um, you know, some of them make Tony Montana look like a fucking amateur to the <laughs> You know, they had houses with guys with fucking AK-47s and everything, you know. And rough cut stones. And the guys I'm with, they're all ex-army and all that. And it was stealing Jeeps, four-wheel drive. Because you, you go to Angola, there's no currency in Angola. It was war tool. You, you know, there's nothing there, Sean. You could, you, you, could have, you could have thousands and thousands of pounds, but you can't. there's no McDonald's. There's no Mercedes dealerships down the road. There's nothing you can spend your fucking money on. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. So, um, you, you know, they'd go to us like, you, you know, bring us up to uh, Mercedes Jeeps, bring us uh, still uh, some, or whatever, do you know what I mean? Range Rovers or whatever. So we, we'd, we'd nick a few cars, drive them up there, go over the border. Picked up on the other side of the border, near a place called Oshikang, Oshikangi, Oshikanga. And then um, we'd drive, they'd take us through, and then all of a sudden uh, we'd meet the people and they'd give us a bag, of, they'd like bloody glass, you know what I mean? They'd give us bags, we'd take them back to Joe Berg's, give them to the Jewish guys, and, and they'd give us a few quid. It was a long trip, it was a long trip. It'd take us a week to be there and back. But it was good, it was good money, but then it turned sour. You know what I mean? We got pinched and we got nicked. Uh, we was in... Uh, town and there was some mercenary guys. I knew they were mercenary guys. I knew they was running. They was running guns. Uh, and then they said to us, "You can come in with us, right? Because when you when you had to go for the border, you had to pay someone off. And usually, you know, I'm not naming names, but there was people who we had to pay off. But this time we didn't go through them. We was just going to try it ourselves. And they said we could follow them. When we've gone through, we, we've gone through the border, and they said pull over here and we pulled over into a little alleyway and we're sitting there and, uh, <laughs> and it's funny you know imagine you know there's fucking everywhere's bombed to pieces everywhere's shot to pieces and there's like us in like three bloody brand new jeeps in a little alleyway white kids do you know what I mean <laughs> you know next thing we know brush it's, it's just it's just gone on us wallop we pulled in jumped out nicked you know what I mean I was smashed I was it, it straight away dragged out of the car and unconscious about it. You know, it was tough, it was hard what they done to me. It, it was bad out there. And um uh, you know, nine weeks. It was about nine, ten weeks I was banged up out there. And uh that was our bit of bird. You know what I mean, Sean? That was our bit of bird, mate. Were you the minority in the prison? I was the only white fellow in there. It weren't even a prison. Yeah, it was a it was a military base, and they had a a cage outside, and they used to put 
eight by four plywood on the top of it for the roof to keep the sun out of it. Well, the fucking sun moves round all day long. Do you know what I mean? There was like twenty of us in this in this thing. The toilet in the, in the corner it was was an oil drum where you had to piss and shit. The flies were fucking everywhere. It was you, you know it was uh it was it, it was it was horrendous. Do you know what I mean? And and it's a funny thing why I always say to people. I always say to people like. Uh, when you're in a situation like that, and, and they were asking me questions, they thought I was a mercenary because I had short hair. And like in them days, everyone had a fucking Michael Bolton, what they called them, their haircuts, do you know what I mean? Like, but I've got a short hair and I've got no passport. And they're listening to me, they're going, you're a mercenary, who are you working with? I'm, I'm, mate, I'm a cockney, I'm over here, we just earned a few quid from London. And they wouldn't believe me. And then, uh, you know, and then, if they don't break you within 48 hours, but they couldn't break me because I had nothing to tell. No matter what they'd done to me, there was, do, do you know what I'm saying? There was nothing I could tell apart from the truth, unless I made up, said I am a fucking mercenary. But after 48 hours, you get you, you, you kick in, you're like, I've had enough, just do what you got to do. Do you know what I mean? Just do what you got to do. If you're going to kill me, kill me. Do you know what I mean? You just, you, you go beyond caring. And and I got on. I was on that that vibe with it, you, you, you know. And, and then, you know, I tried to cut my bloody wrists on the bloody when I was in. I, they put me in a corrugated steel bloody uh, confinement. And I tried to cut my wrists on the thing. I said, "Oh fuck this! I've had enough." Do you know what I mean? I balls that up. <laughs> no, you know, it was a tough bit. It was a tough bit of thing, and uh, mm. and I just didn't know where. It was. I didn't know if it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I didn't know if it was bloody. Do you know what I mean? What day of the week or nothing? After a few weeks. And then one day they just come in and they went, brought me in, showered me, give me some bloody uh, trousers, put me in a jeep. I thought they're going to kill me. I thought they're going to take me into the, into the bush and kill me. And then they drove me down to uh, the border, and then they just dropped me off about hundred yards to the border with uh, Namibia, Southwest Africa. And then um, they drove off, and I'm standing like that, and I don't know whether to run, I don't know what, do you know what I mean? And then, then I walked, and then they met me, and then a guy from the embassy had come to see me. They flew me down to Windhoek, and I was flown back to Amsterdam. And uh, I said to him, I said, why was I released? And he said, it's political. He said, you know, there's obviously a political thing going on. Some people were released, and some from this side, from that side, and whatever else. And uh, when I got to Amsterdam airport, I collapsed. I was I was like about eight stone, and I just collapsed, and I was I was in hospital for about three weeks. Jesus! After it, you know, you know, it, 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 and over that I ended up. Um, it's funny, like in, in them days, you, you know, nowadays you got what they call a post-traumatic uh, stress sy syndrome. We didn't have that in the nineties. No one knew what that bloody was. Do you know, people just say you 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 got depression, or you do you know what I mean anxiety. And for a lot of months, I was pretty fucked up in the head, you know what I mean, with it all. And then, uh, and it's only like, you, you know, after that come, they said, no, you were suffering from, you was probably suffering from, from PTSD, what they got it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm still here. How, how did the other prisoners treat you in the cage? Uh, it was, you know, the language barrier was quite difficult. Mm. So a lot of it was... Uh, you know, they treated me well because we was all together. 
you know, uh, first of all, the first time, we, well, the first time I was in there, I was concussed anyway. I didn't know where, where I was. Um, but it was, life is so cheap out there. And really, really cheap, you, you know. And um, they just, you, you know, we just, we slept together. Do you know what I mean? There was no beds. There was nothing, you, you know. You, and in the nighttime, sometimes it, it, it got cold out there in the desert. In the daytimes, it was unbelievable to eat. But in the nighttime, it was cold. And it was like, you, you know, you you got to remember there's a there's an oil drum in the side of the, to the thing. And you've got to go up and have a podium trap in it. Same as everyone else. So, do, do, do you know what I mean? It was like a camaraderie. Do, do you know what I mean? It was, uh, you, you know, we shared our food. Everything was shared, water was shared. And what everything. did they feed you? Oh, it was, it was bread. Uh, we, there, there, there was a couple of buckets they used to put in their water. Sometimes we'd get like, a, it was like couscous. It, was, it wasn't like rice, it was like couscous. Mm. It was, uh, there was a heavy Cuban in, uh, influence in Angola. We, uh, you know, there was a lot of people interrogated me. They were Spanish. They were Spanish talking. Um, you know, if you're lucky, they might. You, if you're lucky, you might get a few bananas thrown in. <laughs> but, mm. but but mostly it was it was, you know, it was like a bucket. You had two buckets of water, and there was a cup in it, and there was there was a couple of buckets with bits of bread and stuff like that thrown in it. Look, it was hard. Do you think that experience changed you in any way? Yeah, it must have done. It must have done. It changed. It may be. Uh, I don't want to. How can I say it? it? Made me quite resentful, and maybe a little bit uh, hateful as well. To yeah, you know, and it was a. Uh, but it changed me as well because when when you like you literally like where you on a, on a knife edge where you don't care whether you life whether you live or whether you're gonna die or whether when when you when you actually want to die. Do you know what I mean? You come back out, and but I was young when I come back as well, Sean. But when you come out, you you, you know you start valuing things, and and it fucks you up though in the end as well because it, it made me more emotional than anything else. That's all the truth. You know, when I think back of things about that now, I think back of it and it, it absolutely whirls me up in, not because of what they've done to me, because of some of the things I saw. You know, some of the things I saw where people, what was in that case, got dragged out and killed. Did you know? they kill them in front of you guys? Yeah, there was fucking, I mean, so a lot of things. You know, Just I, shot them all? Yeah, it shot them and, and beat them. You know, I mean, there was one guy that come in and beat the living daylights out of him, left him in, left him in there for three days. You know, you know, you know, and that eat and everything else, you know, you know. and it would, you know, the guys. I don't know that, because I think they tried with our tribal, you know what I mean, in them parts of Africa, you know. And I always remember they was they, they left the guy there and they, they they tried to put the man in a certain position and they got the sand round him and and they all sat there in the night and everything. And, you, you know, and he's sitting there. It's like you know, after three days as well. It's, it's just, you know, without being funny, but it stunk anyway in there because of the, where he was. And it was like, uh, you know, I was like, fucking, what you, you know, I mean, take, show you know, take the man out, but you know, and in the end, they just did. It was funny. There was no. It's so strange because it was no where we was. There was no authority. There was, do you know what I mean? There was no one really making the decisions. 
And it was like the actual guy who actually pulled him out of the cell was like who I thought was like one of the just junior bloody like prison officers, if you like. You, you, you know, you, you know, when we say bring him out, you know, you think to yourself, well, one of the one of the chiefs are going to have to come down, one of the thing and pull him out. But this fella just was shouted out. He just walked in there and picked him up, took him out, and threw him on the back of a lorry, threw him on the back of an open truck, open back truck. So it, it was just strange. Do you know what I mean? There was no structure. There was no, you know, you had messed constantly all the time with it, Sean. You know, were the guards dressed in military stuff? Sometimes, some of them, some of them, some of them weren't. The Cuban guys, the Spanish guys, were usually, but they wasn't. Uh, they, you know, a lot of the guys were dressed in in khaki stuff. Uh, you know, when I was there as well, a lot of them, uh, you know, there was like the unit of rebels. It was like I was banged up with, and um, you know, but it, it was the communism. There was a lot of communism problems and stuff like that with Angola in them days, and and it kicked off. Then the war stopped and it started again, and then you had the bloody South Africa got involved, and and then it kicked off, and and and, and then it went civil war again. Do you know what I mean? It was the, the country was a mess. It was an absolute mess. It was. You know, rich country, a lot of money we got there, but you know, but it was this flip side to the coin, you know what I mean? And and, and that's what we got. Was the sleeping situation like in Thailand then, where everyone's just on the floor, back to back, next to each other? Yeah, he's just laying there, just laying there, you, you know, he's just laying there. There's, you know, it was, you know, you had nothing. He was on the sand. Mm. He was on the sand, and you know, and scorpions, bloody spiders, sand spiders, do you know what I mean? You, you know, it's funny that you know, the guards used to do uh, those days to bet money, they used to get the boxes, and they used to put the scorpions against the uh, sand spiders. They put them in the boxes, we used to watch that, like, you know what I mean? They used to learn, no, like the cockle fighting, you know what I mean? I do watch insect battles on YouTube, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man, that must have pushed you into temporary insanity then, I guess. Yeah, well. So... Getting jailed in Cyprus was that easier, at least. Yeah, that was a funny. <laughs> that was, yeah, that, that was a funny story. That was. It was a. <laughs> it was a pal of mine, and, a, and he said he'd come over here. I was in. He was in the winter. And he said come over here, and uh, all of a sudden he's gone like come over, and um, he started. He was doing the credit cards, and uh, going out, you know, moody credit cards. So we got. So I've gone out to him, and we're going in this shop, going in that shop, and buying this and buying that. And, and also, one night I've got drinking with uh, all the squaddies, all the squaddies. We, we was in, uh, where was it? Paphos. Oh, it's a Paphos. And then, uh, no, Limassol. We was in Limassol, this was. And then, um, all of a sudden, like, with uh, they're talking about, there was this doorman. He was the toughest doorman in all of Cyprus. And they're all talking about him. And uh, so I'm drunk like that. So I, I said, oh, I'll have a row with him then. I said, I'll punch up with him, you know what I mean? Right. So, no. so like, I've gone out and find him out. And I, I went, oh, you come here, come. Boom. And he starts doing all this kung fu karate stuff on me. He's jumping up in the air, he's kicking me, and I can't punch you. I'm going, come on, you fucking this ever. You know what I mean? He's going, wow, wow, he's jumping up, he's kicking me, I'm going on the floor. So I jumped to I said, oh, bollocks to you, mate. I said, I can't fight you. Do you know what I mean? I'm pissed. I said, how can I fight you? I said, put your hands up and fight. You keep jumping up and about like fucking Bruce Lee. <laughs> so I fucked up. I've gone, but the old Bill got caught. Mm. And someone said, oh, he's gone to that complex. 
So when we've gone back, all of a sudden the door's coming at four o'clock in the morning. The fucking place is like Aladdin's cave. You imagine all the bags we got, all the Gucci stuff and all the fucking stuff from the credit cards. I'm laying there, I've got concussion. My eyes are like that. So <laughs> my eyes shut from the fight. And they've come in to nick me for the fight and found all this Aladdin's cave. <sighs> so um, so they've nicked us. You know, we've gone back. And, um, you know, it was quite empty then. It was a... Uh, and I went to my mate, I said, listen, I said, can you imagine what it's like out here in the summer? I said, all these, tur all, all these Cypriots, right, they get it from the English every night of the week for months. I said, now it's winter. I said, now they're going to want to get their fucking revenge back on me and you. I said, so when we walk in this nick, I said, put your head up high and your shoulders back, right, and... and and it was the same, you walked in, they were all looking for the cages, right? And I walked, I went, all right, bang, I, I, I walked in. And it was all right. And then uh, I broke out. How did you do that? Do you know, I, I kind of, when I look back at it now, I think, we said, how did I have the fucking bowl? Right? It was, and, it, and it was funny with, um, and it was like, they took me up to uh, interview me. They, what happened, I got not guilty in Limassol. And then uh, when, when all of a sudden they took me to uh, Paphos, and um, we're in Limassol at the court. I'm going, oh, I want my passport. So they're going to, oh, the police are coming with your passport. I said, well, I'm fucking free to go. I said, I should be, you know what I mean? The judges said, not, you know, no, no, well, no further action. He just said, you know what I mean? Quit it. No evidence. So I said, give me, I want my fucking passport. They've turned up PAF or CID, because it was CID out CID's turned up and they're going, they've arrested me for the same crime, but now in Paphos. So I said, you fucking liberty takers. You know what I mean? So they took me back to Paphos. And then um, I was sitting there, like, and yeah, they, had, they used to come in and they, when they were interrogating me, they're sitting down. And uh, he had a key, and he used to keep opening the door with a key. He was opening the door with a key, like, and all of a sudden, like, he's coming in, and I see him, he took his jacket off and he's put the key in his pocket. Right, so he's gone out, and another, another fella's come in, and he's walked in like that, and they've walked out, and I've heard him lock the door. But I know his jacket's there with a key in it. So I'm sitting like, I'm like, right, so, so, you know, you, you get up, take two steps, you know, sit back down, do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, then I've got the next one, I've got my hand in the pocket, I've got the key. <laughs> now I'm like, right, so now I've walked over, now I'm at the door, opened. Right, right, so now back like that again, so I opened the fucking door, you know, like, looked at it as a set of stairs. I said, oh, bollocks to it, bro, I was off, would I? So, well, you know what I mean? I got out, I ran off, ended up, ended up slipping up. And then um, I tried to get into Famagusta. I had no passport, no money, I had nothing. And I tried to get into Famagusta, tried to get over to the Turkish side, I got nicked there. Oh. Do you know what I mean? So, right, and I got nicked there and I got took back again. And then Straight um, back to the same place. Yeah, it oh. took me back again, you know what I mean? And then I got not guilty. But it was a funny thing, Sean, I'll tell you quickly, the cop is so thick. You know, imagine like with me, I'm used to Scotland Yard, and there's a credit card, right, and it's got... And it was an Arab's name. It was Mr. Zahid or something like that, right? And, and the guy's gone, the CID's put a card on the table. He went, I want you to sign that signature. So I went, are you fucking for real? Do you know what I mean? So, so uh, he wants to see what my signature, that signature is. He's put the card in front of me. Now, I ain't going to sign it. Nothing like <laughs> that signature, have I? You know what I mean? You know, the Zahid's like that. I was like, Z, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, know, you know, and he was... Uh, I was CID, you know. Mm -hmm. So you get back to promoting in mm. the 2000s with a world title? 
Yeah, yeah. It was uh, well, like we said, we 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 done some work with a. Uh, uh, I was working with a. I joined an association called the uh, Professional Boxing uh, Promoters Association. Through that, I met a guy called John Felt, who ended up becoming the uh, president of the World Boxing Federation. And uh, a fight fell on our laps. I was running a show at York Hall, and uh, and we put it together. It was uh, the WBF was uh, it was one of these belts. What? It's, it wasn't the WBC or WBA or, or one of the, the mainstream, but it was a it was a professional world championship belt. At the time, Roy Jones, who was one of the greatest fighters of all, actually had a, he was actually the World Boxing Federation champion. So there was some uh, credibility there. And we ended up putting the show on Mark Baker against Ali Forbes at your call. Sold the place out. It was like, you know, you only meant to have 1,600 people in there. We had like 2,000 people in there. And... Uh, and you know, and that was another thing. You know, I was the youngest ever professional uh, promoter to put a, a stage of world title as well, Sean. So, why didn't you stick with that? A lot of politics, red tape with the board. Uh, I don't know whether it was. Uh, you know, I actually go into it a lot of it in my book, and uh, go. You know, there's a chapter on it, and uh, there's some good people at the British Boxing Board of Control. So no, I'm not, you know, I don't want to tire everyone with the same brush. You've got some good people come out of boxing background, some people come out of street background. Then you've got other people who come out of Oxford and Cambridge and, you know, ex-barristers and stuff like that. And, uh, and I was just getting the opinion that they were favouring the TV promoters too much. You know, you, you know, it's like when it, if I rung them up and said I want to do this and I'm going to do that, it was like, it, it was that attitude. And like if Frank Warren would have done it, or or, or Eddie Earn or Barry Earn rather than those, or one of them would have done it, they would have went, yeah, sure, Frank, sure, Frank. But for me, it was like a, a, a do you know what I mean? It was like a burden to them. It was what they call small hall promoting, uh, which is non-TV promoting. But I actually had a row with the boxing news and I said, you're wrong calling the small world promoters. I said, I said, Frank Warren promotes in the same fucking venue as what I promote. So why, why when I promote a show there, am I called a small hall promoter? I said, it's the same fucking hall we're, we're promoting in. I said, and what you're doing, I said, when you're calling me a small world promoter, you're stopping, you're, you're affecting me uh, from having the chance of signing top class amateurs. Because they don't want to sign for someone who's called a small hole fucking promoter. Do you know what I mean, John? Yeah. So there was all this bollocks and all this cobblers all that around it. And, uh, and in the end, I just got fed up with it. And, you know, and there was alternatives on the table. So And that was unlicensed boxing. Yeah, yeah. And you guys came up with the governor title. How did that come about? It came about... It's a funny thing, you know, and it's, it's it's a long answer to tell the truth. And I'll give you I'll give you a, a, a best descriptive what I can for this interview. It's uh, obviously the the governor come about with Roy and Lenny McLean, and it come from in Roy shouting out Lenny, you know, come from come from new newspaper articles, and I'm going, who's the governor? Be Roy sure. And then Lenny shouting out the ring, who's the governor? Do you know what I mean? It's all that romance, that bloody, do you know what I mean? We'll get one going. But it was never a, a governor title in them days. You know, they, they never boxed for a title called the governor. They boxed for other titles called other names. When we started up the unlicensed, uh, me and Ricky, Ricky English, in it was about 2000, and um, 
And then all of a sudden, uh, we started putting shows on. We created a thing called the English Boxing Federation, the EBF. And we started putting uh, shows on and we created a title. First title we done was South London title, Tooting title. Uh, yeah, no, Southern Area title. We even had a title called the fucking uh, Kebab title. <laughs> two great big fat fellas and we got them in the ring and we said right this is for the fucking kebab title you know <laughs> you know you know we didn't care less you know I mean? so, but we created it but the heavyweights people started saying uh, you know people, Ricky get in the ring and get the mic and they go right this is to see who the governor is the governor's a tag it's a term do you know what I mean and, and it's like what I, what I said like when, you know you know, people going around saying, like, you know, I'm the governor, right? It's London. It's a London saying, do you know what I mean? If you come from Liverpool, you'd be told me saying, I'm the fucking cock. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? You, you, yeah. you know, it's a London term. It's a tag what comes to it. And it's got embedded in the folklore with, 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 with the title. But we, but then we started creating the title. And so the first time we started having belts, we asked Roy's permission. The first belt was called the Roy Shaw belt. And then it evolved to the governor title. And, you know, we had some good fights of it, some great fights of it, some good boys, Sven Amor and people like that. And um, and, it just, and, it, and it just, you know, nowadays people, they ring me up and they go, Joe, the, the, the title's royalty. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You know, because well, we got the history and we got the hierarchy. Do you know what I mean? We got the, you know, going back, it was my dad who promoted Roy and Lenny. Uh -huh. So, you know. And you also got into the music industry around that time. And the beginning we talked about, you know, your relationship with Ori, and how you, you dealt with Suge Knight. Have you got any Suge Knight stories? Yeah, Suge, uh, we first went over there. The first time I met Suge was when I went over to Los Angeles with uh, a COE and that. And um, Suge was banged up. He was in Sacramento prison. And he was up, uh, I don't know if it's called Sacramento, but it was in Sacramento, the prison was. So, um, you know, so I've gone over there and oh, he was in prison at the time. And so I've gone over there to see his boy, Anthony, and... Uh, and, you know, he said, right, we're going to have to fly up to Sacramento because it's a long slap in it from like, in Los Angeles to Sacramento. Night before, I was on the piss, got pissed, you know, so I'm doing like an old in the edge, you know, so we jumped up, uh, went up there, rented a car, and then uh, gone to Sacramento, gone to the prison, gone in there, and they said, you're not on the list. I've got a fucking berserk, and I tell them, they know. I said, I must be on the, on, the, on the fucking list. I've come all the way from the UK, London. They went, nope, they forgot to put you on the list. Mm. Right, so we've had it, we've had a fucking stood, you know what I mean, arguing with And um, it, we weren't getting nowhere in the end, we've had to go. So we've ended up going back to, uh, we've gone back to uh, LA. So we've got there. I went to Anthony, I said, take me to the fucking office now. I said, take me to that office right now. You know what I mean? So he went, he went, he went right, so we got back. I went, and uh, walked up, I said, uh, it's Cedric here. Sugar used to have a fellow called Cedric. He used to run all these, uh, all these things. So I'm standing there, I went, yeah, who's who's here? I said, who's here? I said, you know who's here? It's this Jay Barber flowing all the bloody way up to Los Angeles. He's gone, gone all the way up there and that idiot ain't put me on the fucking list. Mm. You know what I mean? So I said, tell him I'm, in, I'm here. Like, it's about 10, 20 minutes has gone, John. All of a sudden, uh, he's sitting there. I've gone up there again. I said, does he know I'm here? You know what I mean? So she went, so she went yeah, yeah. He's just, I, I said, well, tell him. You know what I mean? But I mean, another 10 minutes, I'm bollocks. I said, where's his office? So we've gone flying down. I went, oh, crack. I've kicked the fucking door in. Right, as I've gone in there, do you know what this Cedric's doing? Sitting there eating fucking chicken wings. Box of fucking <laughs> chicken wings. I'm saying, I said, are you taking the fucking bus? The chicken wings have gone off the table. You know what I mean? 
I said, you fuck. I said, what do you think? I've flown all the way over it. We're a fucking Chinese meal, you fucking. And I moved on into him. And uh, and the reason, one of the reasons why we had to go over as well, I had to speak to Sugar, but he, he, was, he had to pay some money. So, um, and then, you know, I said to Cedric as well, Rory as well, what he told you about, you know, he said, listen, we'll pay that fucking money. That money's got to be paid, you know what I mean? And, 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 and it was sorted out. You know, we come back and then, uh, you know, I had a few, a couple of more days there and then come back to London and, and then uh, Ori sent, Ori sent, you know, we got some money, a check and all that, you know, and it was nice <laughs> and that was the first time. But, yeah, no, the second time meeting Sugar and all them was, uh, you, you know, over them guys when, when I went back out with Ori and, and uh, you know, but Sugar was in a lot of trouble then. And I ended up uh, running, I was the actual, like, running a Death Row UK. And it was when we had a meet with him, and you know, and I went to him. I said, "Do you actually know how big Death Row music is?" And he was like, "Yeah." yeah. And I said, "No, do you?" I said, "You got half a billion dollar record label. You got one fucking office." You know what I mean? And he was like, oh. "I said, you, I said, you ain't even an office in New York." I said, "Do you know how big Death Row is in Europe?" He's like, "Oh, what?" I said, "Let us run Europe." Let us sign talent up in Europe. I said, do you know how much talent there is in the UK? Do you know how much talent there is in fucking Holland, in France, and fucking everywhere? I said, let us run fucking death row, fucking Europe. You, you know, and uh, after a few things, and that was it. He goes a few quid, and we we went away, and we set up we set up death row. And Mark Morrison was first ever signing to death row, uh, death row UK. It says here Brian Harvey. Is that the E sixteen guy? Yeah, Brian. Oh <laughs> wow, he um. Gotta phrase this carefully. He did a lot of videos attacking me because I had a guy on that he didn't like on the podcast, John Wedger. And I looked at these videos and I thought, man, I just feel for this guy. You know, he seems like he's gone through some stuff. He's gone off his head though, isn't he? Lately, and he's, some of the some of the people are sending me this stuff. And That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and he's really he's really bloody. Uh, I haven't spoken to Brian for a few years, you know. Yeah, and uh, Brian was funny with. Uh, so talented, that kid, I'm telling you. Yeah. He could, oh, I'm, I'm telling you now, he could sing. And uh, and, and and he was so, Mark Mark was the opposite. Mark couldn't care less about doing radio shows and stuff like that. But Brian would, would he'd, he'd, he'd be willing to go and do anything, Sean. Yeah. And, um, but the public, after that E thing and everything else, no matter what he did, do you know what I mean? They, they, they wouldn't, they just, the Radio One and all them, you know. I mean, them days, you had, if you wanted to hit, you had to go for Radio One out to pump your, your hair. And, um, you know, I remember we'd done a great big show at Ronnie Scott's. We invited all the Radio One DJs there. We gave them goodie bags. We spent a lot of money, do you know what I mean? And it was a, it was a song with fucking Wycliffe Jean, for fuck's sake. You know, it, 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 it was hot as fucking hell at the time. And, uh, you, you know, give them everything. And they all stood there, shook their hands. Yeah, yeah, we're going to support him, you, you, you know. And, but they just, it, it was uncool to support Brian Harvey at the time, you know what I mean? And and then we tried and then he just went, you, you know. I remember Brian Harvey when uh, we took him out in New York to the uh, studio, doing the studio with uh, Wycliffe. And um, Wycliffe was the one to sign him up to what he, he's labelled a refugee crew. And, uh, and we, we, we've all jumped in limos and we've gone up to... Uh, Rochester, upstate New York. And there's a great big, like, radio, you know, like Party in the Park, you have Capital Radio. There was a radio station up there. And um, also, um, Rycliffe's on the stage and he's singing and all that and everything. Don't he say, wow, I've got, I've got my new signing now from the UK, Brian Harvey. Right, Brian's like, 
Why, why do you want me to do it? And like, you know, he's like, what am I going to do? And, and I said, just go and fucking sing, sing, sing. Said, sing what? Sing fucking happy birthday. What do you want me to sing? <laughs> you know, so I've got no fucking music. And I said, just go out there. Just, just let them sing the song and, and, and riff. You know what I mean? Get, get in on it. You know, and Brian's got up there and they started singing a famous song with Wycliffe and Brian's coming on it. You know what I mean? Brian, all that, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know what I mean? They do all that, you know. The crowd went crazy. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, and he, he had the balls to do that. Yeah. You know, I think there's about 10,000 people in the crowd, you know. Wow. You know? Funny story that I'll tell you quick, though, Sean, with Brian. Here's another story. He was, you know, 9 11. Yeah. He was, he, we sent him over there at the time to do, uh, he was over there uh, to do some more recording. And he's with Clyde Black, a good pal of mine, Clive. His father was Don Black, who was, uh, uh, wrote Diamonds Are Forever, who'd born free and all them, one of the top lyricists in countries that were known, won the Oscar. And, um, so they're over there, 9-11's it, and it's about 9 o'clock in the morning out there. Now, you imagine New York's like fucking bedlam, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, Clive's downstairs like that in the hotel. It's about, you know, it's, it's just off of Times Square, so the dust is everywhere. There's people be laying, mm. being treated medically and the thing. Brian Harvey's got out of bed about 11 o'clock. Hasn't heard any of it. What's got on? You know, walks down like that, and Clive's down there, and everyone's screaming and shouting. And then Brian's like, "What the fuck is going on?" I mean, Clive, where you been? He went. He went. He, went, he said, "There's World War Three going on out there." Clive's got that. Brian's gone. Oh fucking! I suppose Footlocker's fucking closed, and then <laughs> <laughs> went back to bed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> went back I walked upstairs got to the hotel went back to bed pissed off because he couldn't go a foot like oh. that you know, you, know, you know but I don't mean that in a bad way because he didn't realise what what was going on do you yeah. know what I mean he's got to bed and had a, had a smoke and fucking woke up in the morning and fucking you know what I mean so is it easy managing musicians then I mean like are they getting drug party going partying all the time getting high crazy stuff Doing crazy shit. Yeah, it's you know, like with anything else, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I was used to it from managing boxers as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's some good old stories what we had to do and, you, you know, make out a few things. And, you know, but it, you, you know, it was, you know, you get your prima donnas. Mm. Do you know what I mean? In the boxing and the, and, the, and the fucking music, you know. But you just got to put them right. I think Mark, I think one of, one of the first weeks I was managing him, you know, he was like a. It was like, oh, Joe, I've got some dry cleaning that'd be picked up in Kensington. I said, well, what are you fucking calling me for? <laughs> I mean, I live in Tooting. I said, I've got some fucking dry cleaning. Oh, do you want to come and pick that up? Do you know what I mean? You, you know. So, you, you know, you've got to put, nip it in a bud and put it a bed straight away, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, you know, a couple of little fannies we done with Mark when we tried to get him in the studio and made out there were some people looking for him and you know, getting back working and, you know, it's just, it's all fun and games, you know what I mean? So then came your father's death and a power struggle. What mm. happened there? It was, uh, it was, um, you know, it was, um, it was a tough time. It was a tough time and it was, a. Uh, the year before my father died, I, I was earning a lot of money. I was earning a lot of money. I didn't need money. Um, uh, my dad obviously had motor neurons, so you, you, you know, and he was he was ill. Uh, so there was some work we had to with some other people, and I was involved in in the work. And every and, and you know, I tell you what the work is. It would work. We 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 had you know we had foreigners, we had Polish guys and stuff like that working at uh, uh, building sites. 
cheap labour. And we was getting a backhander for it. You know, we had three, four hundred labourers at the time. And um, so the guy, you know, be, but because I was earning a lot of money, I said to the guy, I said, look, just pay me, pay my share to be dead. I don't need that money, do you know what I mean? Give it to him. Right, so when my dad passed away, because of that, that scenario was going on, now he thinks to himself, he ain't got to pay me the money. But now, mm. but now I jumped, because I went, right, I said, listen, right, next week, I said, is that money still coming in? You know what I mean? He went, yeah. I said, okay, I said, we'll have a beat, got sold out. He went, oh, no, they was doing it. I went, no, 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 no. I said, yeah, do you know what I mean? It was my father. I said, I was involved in the fucking business, as you know, but I pulled, pulled out the thing. I said, uh, I said so... Uh, you know, I want that money. So it went on, went on a little bit, went on, and he, he didn't. In the end, I phoned him up and I said, look, are we on a collision course here, son? Do you know what I mean? And, and, and he went, no, no, we're not. We're not on a collision course, Joe. We're having good. And he's turned up on a meeting at a fucking restaurant. He's got two ex-special service fucking Polish fucking fellas with him like that, and I'm on my own, you know what I mean? Carried on, carried on, gave him a lot of warnings, and then things got out of hand. And... Uh, I had to, do you know what I mean? Me and my brothers just said, you know, Joe, we just got to go back to the old days, mate. Got to go back to the old days and send a message. We sent a message. And then uh, from that message, he ran to someone who I'd known a long time and very, very respected uh, uh, villain. He ran to him and he phoned me up and said, Joe, listen, we need to have a meeting here. This is getting silly. This is, you know what I mean? This is uh, a lot of people going to get pulled into this and everything else. I said, all right. I said, I went, all right, well, I don't mind. I'll have a meeting. That's what I've been trying to do since day one anyway, so I don't mind it. And then uh, the meeting was called for like, it was a week out or something. And it was three o'clock. We turned up at four o'clock. There was, uh, I was in the pub. There was me, my brothers, Roy Shaw was there. Brian Emmett Senior was with me, David Thursday, and there was a few of us. And um, I left, I did turn up to about four o'clock to make a fucking way. And then I uh, walked in there, and then they're sitting there, and then, uh, you know, I've gone straight in there. And uh, I told him, I said, Look, I'm, you know, Wilf Pine was in there. God bless Wilf. But Wilf, Wilf was in there just to make sure everything. You know, I think a lot of people was in there just to make sure there was no trouble. They weren't taking sides. And, you know, we off to a man and went, uh, you know, can you sit down, Joe, and let's talk about it. And I said, no, you sitting down, nothing. I said, I'm telling these two cunts, you know what I mean? I said, it was my father. I said, they took the fucking piss. I said, you know what I mean? I said, I've tried my hardest to, to be fair about it. I said, and if it's, if it's, how it's got to go, it's got to go. And then, you know, Roy, Roy Shaw was with me, you know, Roy jumped forward. And Roy jumped forward and went, uh, oh, I love him for this way. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and you know, he turned around and he, he said, listen, I don't give a fuck if Joe's in the right or wrong. That's my best mate, son. And if anyone wants to have a row with him, they've got to come through me first. Do you know what I mean? That's proper. Do you know what I mean? That's the type of thing I would do to my best mates. If my best mate died and his son was in a bit of shit, <clears throat> do you know what I mean? There was no agenda. There was no agenda. There was no money. You know what I mean? You couldn't buy Roy Shaw. Do you know what I mean? You know, when you're proper, you're strong. There's not enough money on the table to buy that loyalty. It ain't for sale. And Roy walked in that room and showed everyone in that room. It, you know, he said, that's it. This is the way it fucking is. That I, I, I can't sit here. And the same as me. You know what I mean? My, my mate, my mate died and someone wanted to have a row with his son. And that been, and I, I could stand there over a pound note and watch someone want to have a row with my mate's fucking son. I, I couldn't do that in a million years, Sean. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And that was that was Roy's attitude. Do you know what I mean? It was the same thing. He went, what are you asking me? Stand by and watch these arseholes 
that were our joe. No, that ain't happening. And that's why I love Roy so much, you know what I mean? Not just that, but that was his, the way he was, you know, Roy Shaw. Yeah. So what made you want to write the book then? The book's always been in me. It's, you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, especially like, when we started the unlicensed boxing, there was no Facebook, there was no YouTube. There was 2002, you know what I mean? I think think Facebook, they come in 2004, then it 2005, I think all that come in. There was none of that. You had websites, and um, so, but we did document everything. So there was a lot of interviews, and then we've had in, uh, stuff with, uh, you know, James done stuff for us with the shows, and Liam from Gangster Videos done bits and bobs. For us. So there's always been documented history of what we did. And, um, but over the last year, to be honest with you, there's been a lot of people, especially on Facebook, where they create groups. And all going on about this governor title and everything else. And, you know, Brian, I tell you, you, you know, the times I sit there and I'm like, oh, I just cannot believe the absolute cobblers, what is being said. You know, you, you, you know some of it. And uh, I'm not one to have an argument over Facebook or anything. I use Facebook to, you know, to do, you know, my, my Facebook was called Joey London. But when I'm managing boxers, the people are going to me, their dads are going, oh, who's, your, who's your manager? And they're going, Jay London. Who the fuck knows Jay London? So I changed it to Jay Powell, but I would never have changed it. So that's what I used it for, for boxing, not for personal beefs or anything like that. And so I never, ever, I look at it like that. Sometimes I'd like to put something on it. I'd like to write something on it and go, God, like but I won't. So I thought, yeah, do you know something? And, and then over the last few months, there's been a couple of people gone out and they've copied our belt. You know, they've gone out and they've created a belt. I thought, okay, I don't care. Do you know what I mean? I don't care. Go and, go and call whatever you want to do. Do you know what I mean? I don't care. You know what I mean? I, you know, I ain't copyrighted the governor. You can't copyright a word like the governor. Do you know what I mean? So if you want to call a belt the governor, go and do it. Do you know what I mean? It don't matter. And then, uh, you, you know, because I look at it the same thing. You, you, you know, if you go and bloody cook yourself a bloody hamburger, you know what I mean? It might be the best hamburger in the world, but it's not a Big Mac. Do you know what I mean? You can't say it's a Big Mac. Do you know what I mean? You might think it's wonderful, but it ain't a Big Mac. Do you know what I mean? My title's the Big Mac. So, I mean, do what you will do. And, but then they started putting our title down. Do you know what I mean? Their title's fake. Their title's fake. They're this, they're that. We're, we're, we're the real this and real that. So now we've had to answer. Do you know what I mean? So now I'm about to say, okay. I said, right, the guy who's calling my title fake actually was a guy who won my title and he's only living saying he was an he was an ex governor. So, but in in the second breath, he's saying our title's fake. So hold up a minute. Is he proud to say he's a governor, or in, and now he's saying it's fake, right? So, you, you know, so we're sitting there. So I thought, right, do you know, so I write a fucking book, right? I write a book. I put a book, and 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 you know, be honest. And then there's a couple of things I did put on the, on the group page. You know, I said, right, I said, you want you 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 want the truth. Well, be careful. Pandora's box is fucking opening. So, but I don't know how far I'm going to go with it, to tell the truth. It's near enough all written. And there's a picture of Roy and Lenny there. So, of all these governors then, who um, was the, do you think had the most about them? Well, you, you know, you... 
Or is, know, is it bits, they each have different qualities? Yeah, it's very difficult to say. Do you know what I mean? Fantasy matchup fights is, you, you know, is, is people Rocky Marciano against Muhammad Ali. It's very hard. It's yeah. very difficult. It's, and, and all you're doing really is, is, is an opinion. It's not a fact. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, and, and, and I don't really like, do you know what I mean? But that's what makes me laugh for the Facebook friends. Well, people put their opinions over and then they put underneath, it's a fact. I read it. <laughs> and I'm like, but and, and, and you, you know, and some of the people they're talking about, and you know, one of them's you know very famous, very famous. You know, wrote a fucking best-selling book. Actually, said to me in my ear, "Well, Joey, do you know what these books are all about? Seventy percent truth, thirty percent complete and utter bollocks." <laughs> right? And you, you, you know, but when you're saying about the, the obviously Roy and Lenny, I should have asked what made them unique. What made him the unique? Right. Well, first of all, Roy and Lenny, they were very, very well-known fellas outside of boxing. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, Roy was more well-known than Lenny. Do you know what I mean? With, with, uh, Roy was well-known, obviously, with a great connection. Uh, when, when they started off, do you know the actual people who actually publicised and made the actual unlicensed boxing? It was funny enough, the people who was trying to bloody get rid of it. The British Boxing Board of Control, they couldn't get it out of their head. Do you know, they kept turning around every time they could, they were so worried about protecting their own little, little thing, what they had going. Every time they could get an interview or newspaper inches, they was going like, this is illegal. This is illicit. This is this, this is, it's run by gangsters. Jesus Christ, that's a perfect storm for, for newspaper. But do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, always we've got illicit boxing run by, you're talking about the craze who only been banged up eight, nine years. Now you've got the lunatic from Broadmoor friend of the craze, ex-armed robber, underground illicit boxing. Gee, the, the, the press <laughs> lapped it up. And, and it was all the board who stirred the bloody pot. But they didn't learn. They kept doing it. So you had, you know, you had that situation then when Lenny beat Roy. And, uh, and then when Lenny got into acting, the book, when the book come out, that's what really made Lenny into a, you know, you've got housewives now who've never known about boxing, but they've heard of Lenny McClain. You know, before the book and before Lock, Stock and Smoke, Two Swank Battles and, and stuff like that, they didn't they didn't know. So, you know, you know they, they created, you know, they come from, from that. And then Roy Shaw, obviously. You, you can't mention Lenny McLean without mentioning Roy Shaw. And that's the funny thing about it. No matter how much they disliked each other, their names are always going to be bloody linked. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the funny thing. And uh, But there's been some good boys. There's been some good fighters then, since then. What we done, but you know, Lenny and Roy were what really they they were the ones what cemented unlicensed boxing. If you do you know what I mean? We interviewed Decker Heggy. Mm. What was unique about him? Decker, uh, you know, Decker won the title, but he didn't win it against the fight. What he should have won it against, you know, um, he was meant to fight Welshville. Welshville was a former governor of ours. Welshville's an handful. He's a, you know, you know, you you, you in, in the governor things, you got you, you got your your fighters, your pro boxers, and like Johnny Wardron and Clifffield and people like that. But they're nice guys. Do you know what I mean? They're nice guys. They're ex-pros. So they come from a, they come from a bloody background where they get in the Queensbury rules. Your Lenny McLean's and Welshville's a jump all over you and stamp all over you. They're the ones who are nicking the bloody newspaper headlines. They're the ones what people are coming out to see. The bad guys. Do you know what I mean? They might not be the best boxers, but they're the ones the people are coming to see. Decker was a nice guy. Uh, 
him against Welsh Phil. Welsh Phil's an animal. Welsh Phil's you know, a good mate of mine. But, uh, you know, Welsh Phil went and he said, Joe, I don't care what I've got to do. I'll bite his fucking head off. I will rip his face off in the ring. You know, whatever I've got to do, you know what I mean? I'll win the fight. Uh, so that was the fight. And uh, someone come to me, they had Decker. Ricky English had him. I'd have never met Decker. He said, do you want to do it? And uh, yeah, Welshfield. Welshfield said he won't fight without me. Out of loyalty because he's my mate. And so that was it. But then the old Bill got involved. And the old Bill and, and went to venues and said it's bare knuckle boxing, which it wasn't. Uh, it dropped out. And then, uh, and then it was um, two, we finally got a venue What we could put this fight on. And about two weeks before the fight, Welshville was ill. I was talking about proper, proper ill. He rushed out of the gym in an accident emergency by an ambulance. It, you know, it was touch and go wherever he'd live, never mind bloody fight. Do you know what I mean? Sure, right? So that's off. So now, you know, there's people brought flights, there's people booked hotels, there's the, the undercard sold all their tickets. The fight's been on and off, on and off for the last three months. If we cancel again, People, do you know what I mean? I've already had months of people going, God, do the promoters know what they're fucking doing? Well, yeah, we do, but you know, this is the world of promoting. Shit happens, you know what I mean? And we, we, we deal with it. That's why we're promoters. So in the end, I got Julius Francis to fight him. No one would fight Decker, right? No one at that short notice would, would step in and fight him. So I got Julius Francis, right? The man who, who, who fought Mike Tyson. Um, uh, I had a meeting with Julius and... Yeah, it was, is that uh, the big guy who was Madonna's bodyguard? I don't know if he might have been. He was a big guy. He was a British champion, European champion. Julius was boxed Mike Tyson. I mean, he boxed him twice. I think Julius did. I mean, he boxed him twice. Julius was the one where, where the Daily Mirror actually advertised on the soles of his. Everybody <laughs> fought Mike Tyson. <laughs> they actually put ads the Daily Mirror on the soles of his boots because they knew he was going to get knocked out. But <laughs> you, you know, he still got in the mink. But um. Julius, to be honest, he, he was, uh, I think he knew we wanted Decker to win. Uh, I think he turned up for a pound note. And, uh, and, you know, and he, and he went into journeyman mode and he just mucked about, messed about and uh, played the game to get himself a few quid at the end of the night and walked home, tried to, tried to stay out of the way as much as what he could. You know what I mean? Getting, and he got paid a few quid, got paid a few grand. And then, um, and then I said to Decker, right, you got to, be, you, you know, right, you you you've won the title against the journeyman, really. You know what I mean? Again, you, you you should have been you and Welsh Phil. That's what the fight's about. But you've won it, so now you got the belt. But you've got to defend it. You can't, you know what I mean? You can't think and, and that to be Welsh Phil. But then things happen that didn't work out again. And we was trying to put that on last year, and that didn't work out. But so who's got the belt now? No, it's vacant, really. It's vacant. Yeah, it's vacant. So there's no official governor. No, it's vacant. You know, it was, uh, well, it was uh, Decker, Decker, uh, that, and then uh, a tie. Then what happened? We, we done a, we done a, before the Decker fight, we done a thing with Tyrone Williams. And it was, I was in the pros, and then I was mucking about, and then we come back, and I said, I'll tell you what we do. I said, you know, why don't we do a, we do a heavyweight competition prize fire? Of heavyweights, and whoever wins it will be like the guardian of the governor belt. But then, the, but, but then, when he's the guardian, what he's got to do is, is people challenge him. 
And then he doesn't really become the governor until he fights someone. Do you know what I mean? Until like, you know, Lenny McLean fights a Roy Shaw. Do you know what I mean? And so that was, you know, in theory, that was a good idea. Let's get eight heavyweights, all good fighters. And then, then that, whoever wins the toughest guy, and then the other people can make a challenge and they can go on. And then Decker fought against Tyrone, got beat. Tyrone, so Tyrone beat him. But then Tyrone went, decided he wants to go professional. Now, you can't have a professional and still have the governor title. So that was like last year, what we said, we'd, we'd, we're, right, well, he's gone professional. Then, right, we'll have Decker against Welshville again. And then I won't condemn a man from rumour. Do you know what I mean? It was, do you know what I mean? It was a... A lot of talk, a lot of talk about this and a lot of talk about that and everything else. And I said, look, well, unless someone can actually show me black and white or something like that, you know. And then someone turned around and said, oh, oh, how are you promoting that guy? He got Nick for pinching a bird's ass in a nightclub. And I'm like, well, I got that as well. They were saying, how, how can you interview that guy? But it mm. seems like there's a lot of um, people putting things together to, to, to mm. destroy his um, reputation. That's, that's what I thought. Originally, so, and I still don't know the truth now to tell the truth because, like, they, they said there was a thing called Humble Dryer, is it Humble Dryer or some page or something? I never even looked at it. All I know is the people I was working with told me, said, Joe, it's all cobblers. So I trusted the people I was working with. And then people are messaging me, how can you work with this? How can you do this? And then when they come up with that pinching a bird's ass, I went, Ugh. What are you going to call a man a, a, a nonce for pinching a bird's arse in a nightclub? Just fuck me. <laughs> it said in the same article, she'd already consensually had sex with him in the toilet. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. So, <laughs> where do you go from there? You, you, you know, and, and, and it's not an underage girl, is it? She's in a nightclub, right? So, so, so I'm looking at that. And then uh, it was an escalation of things, to tell the truth. It was, um, you know, it was that. And then I'm, I'm sitting there and it just ain't, do you know what I mean? It was just, you know, I'm like, if there is a chance, if there is a bloody chance of it, do you know what I mean? And then also with the, with, with the guy we're working with, then we found out the, the venue, what we was working with, they didn't have a drinks license, so we could only put 500 people in. The, the venue wants 25 grand. And I'm like, well, well, if we can't sell beer to 15, 1,600 people, how are we going to pay the 25 grand? Are we going to pay Decker? Are we going to pay Welshville? I said, it just ain't adding up and, and everything else. So I just went bomb them out of it. Do you know what I mean? That's you know, a shame, isn't it? You know. it's, it's, it's funny, like when you're saying about, you know, with all these slur and all these slant, it's the same thing with the other week where when uh, I just had a pop up with her uh, and someone they'd done one of these uh, interviews with, about Roy and they put on it the Roy Shaw Jimmy Savile connection. And I went fucking mad. Do you know what I mean? When I said it, do you know what I mean? I saw it, you know, someone told me, you know, I, mean, I said, you're clickbaiting. Do you know what I mean? I said, there is no fucking connection with Roy Shaw and Jimmy Savile. Do you know what I mean? It's 100% fucking clickbaiting and it's wrong. It's wrong because Roy Shaw would be rolling his grave to, to, to Jimmy Savile was the fucking, he was the governor or he was working in, in Bourbon when Roy Shaw was in. It's like, it's like, it's like you know what it's like, saying me and you have a conversation now and I just said to you I was on a visit and, and Sutcliffe was in. It's like now you put it up and going, the Joe Powell Sutcliffe connection. I would go fucking mad, Shaw. So just marking your card, you know. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's trying to get, Views for fucking thing with Bob, and so like I phone, I phone, and you know I got hold of him the other day. I said, take the fucking, he's wrong, take it down. I said, There's a million and one things you can say about Roy Shaw. You can talk about. 
You know what I mean? Don't do that. You know what I mean? And so when you're touching on that, Savile and all this other thing, it's, it's, and you know, it's just, it's just a world which, you know, when, you know, when it, I, look, I don't want to put words in the wrong way here, but, you know, but the things what we're saying about, about Decker, I don't know whether it's true or whether they're not. I met Decker three times, he seems like a nice fella. But it was just at the end of the day, it was something I wasn't willing to go forward with. Do you know what I mean? So, so outside of the unlicensed boxing, there was some kind of gang wars going on. Is that the case? Well, there's always been rows, isn't there? Always been rows on the boxing. Have you got any stories of gang warfare? Or is that not, not somewhere you can go? Oh, you've got to be a bit careful. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You, yeah. you know, there's, obviously, there's a well-documented one. You know, It's in the book, you know, with... Um, there was, there, there was an argument uh, uh, happened between Freddie Formula and the Nash family at the Royce shot. Have you ever seen the, the actual original Governor uh, documentary? No. I shall, I'll get you a copy. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's probably the best boxing documentary I've ever seen. It's done to all Bruce Springsteen soundtrack and uh, Super Tram. It's, it's beautiful. I'll send you a copy. But in the crowd, it kicks off and you see Freddie Formula having an argument with a couple of uh, Nash family and people like that. And... Uh, they're smashing each other with chairs all over the place, you know. You know. But later on down the years, they end up being best of mates. But, uh, yeah. That was a funny thing. You know, uh, it's funny, a couple of times at Caesars, we've had, you know, absolutely mad turnouts. With, uh, and I'm funny, we was talking about earlier, we had we had one, uh, it was all the football hooligans in there. And uh, the fighting was going on for about, bloody hell, it was going on for about 15, 20 minutes. It was. Weren't you at that one, James? Yes, that's what you're saying. <laughs> and, and I've still got the hunt with him today right? because the fo the footage would have been gold dust. Yeah. I'm telling you, but for as soon as it went off, he was out the door. Oh! I mean? the, the footage would have been unbelievable that night. I mean, there, was, there was 500 people throwing bottles and everything else at each other. Don't you think they would have turned on him, though, for filming them? Oh, I don't know. It's, it's evidence, done. isn't it? The could have been used. Chelsea head hunt, as it was, you know, with the Chelsea boys. They wouldn't know. have appreciated James filming them doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? I could have done it. And the old Bill turned up and they said, you going the old Bill, we ain't going in there. Let them fucking hurt each other, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we saying I think two hundred odd people turned up at accident emergency that night. Wow! Yeah, no, it was it was a Braveheart. Yeah, yeah, that was a crazy thing. Yeah, that was a few other bits and bobs, but I can't talk about it. You know what I mean? But, but. what was the most memorable fixed fight? <laughs> oh Jesus! I know what I'd like to say. <laughs> I know what I'd like to say. You know, you know. Um, Let's just say, look, you, you know, if you're the governor, yeah, you got to fight a challenger. Yeah, you can't, you can't just keep fighting journeyman, mm -hmm. and then and then retire. Yeah, and then retire. But you know, fixed fights. We, you know, we've had, you know, loves. There was one night. I tell you a little. It's only a little story. It's a small one. It was a. We had a, a kid for us, Paddy and Ginger, and they used to fight on all our shows. And then one night we got him in. We put him in the ring. It was like he's fighting second on the show. So he's got medical like that, he got him. I said to the fellow, right, it's going over in one man. So he's got him, he got knocked out. He's gone back to change room, changed his shorts and come out about three fights later with a different name. Right <laughs> 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 to fight another opponent. <laughs> he's got in the ring, the doctor's run over to me. I mean, the doctor's having kittens. 
because his insurance, you know, man, the doctor's going, Joe, what are you doing? I said, it's all right. I said, don't worry, fix. I said, he's going over with body shot, you know what I mean? I said, it's all this pantomime, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we did get up to some, you know what I mean? Yeah. We got up to some funny bloody things, you know. Another fixed fight we had, uh, it was two big fellas and a, you know, we said the food, we said this every week. We said, listen, look, the other fellow ain't going to be trying, you know what I mean? So, like, you know, you got to fight. you got to fight anything. Well, he's come out and this guy's, they're both standing looking at each other. The crowd's booing, right, right? And now the guy who's taking the payday, not, you know, not to win, he's like going to the fella, fucking hit me. Hit me, please, you know? <laughs> you know I mean, we both know he's crooked. Just fight, you know what yeah. I mean? And the guy said, and Ricky's on the mic outside the ring going, Come on, fucking fight, fight, let's get this going, you know. But, yeah. And also I was staying there and and I look at him like he's going, just hit me and like and the guy's hitting him and he's pulling his shots like that. Like, <laughs> I'm 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 cringing, I'm literally like that. Oh. So I'm like, oh fuck it. You know, we just we had some fun. Yeah. We did have some fun in them days. So in the um licensed boxing world, who do who do you think is the best presently? Oh, Tyson Fury, isn't he? Tyson Fury. Yeah, he's, he's you know, he's uh, head and shoulders, isn't he, at the moment, above everyone else. And, you know, yeah. If you're talking about boxing ability, you're talking about Canelo and, you know. and uh, Who would be his biggest challenge then? At the moment? Yeah. Do you know, I've got a funny feeling, and I know it sounds funny, but I don't think he's, he's if he has to fight uh, 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 Wilder, yeah. I don't think that's his cut and is what people think it is. Mm. I know he's done a good job on him last time. Yeah. And they're saying before he fights Anthony Joshua, he might have to fight him again. I think he does Anthony Joshua all day long. You know, I know Anthony and I know him and I've got no disrespect for Anthony, but I think I think uh, Anthony Joshua's tailor-made for uh, Tyson Fury. Yeah. But I actually, I've got a funny feeling that Wilder, he could be a banana skin in the third fight. And I know it sounds funny because Wilder's won two rounds mm. in two fights. But, uh, you know, and, and, and when you look, you think, you say, well, what can he do? But I don't know, i just got a funny feeling in my head that, he's, you know, that man punches, he's dangerous and, and, mm. and he swings. And if Tyson goes in there with the attitude, oh, I've bashed him up twice before, it's just another bloody bash up job. And then I'll go and fight Anthony Joshua and get him for 100 million pounds or for 200 million pounds. You know, whether he takes that attitude, we, he shouldn't. You know what I mean? Wilder's is still there, he's still dangerous. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and that's, but, uh, He's a, uh, you know, he's an household name, isn't he? Tyson Fury at the moment. You know what I mean? He is. Everyone knows him. And uh, good luck to him. Bartley, he's related to Bartley Gorman. So. so why should people go down below this video and click on the link to buy your book? It's, uh, look, for anyone who's who's wants to know about, you know, there's some, there's some good stories in there, some stuff in there, like truths about, you know, over the years, there's myths about uh, Lenny was given moody gloves and stuff like that, and me dad give him these fantasy fantasy. You know, I mean, the truth. There's, there's truths in there about the gloves. There's there's my opinion on on the three fights as to why Lenny won and as, as to why Roy won. I also give a. I talk about all the old days, the golden era, as you might say, with the Clifffields and Johnny Ward and why we don't call them the governor. And then after that, you know, I talk about all the controversy between the the, the, the Governor Tile, the Norman Bucklands, the Decker Heggies, the Welsh Phil, Sven Hamer. And, 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 I, and I map the fights out, you know, because people go, he was the governor, he was the governor, this one. Well, in the book, you can see on a time scale, this is where, this is where it went. He, he was the governor, then it went here, then it went here, he beat him, he beat him. 
and it goes down. And then there's some other, you know, some other things we put in there. But, um, you know, some of the things that went on outside of the boxing to do with my lifestyle with Lenny, like, you know, me, Lenny, I was involved with him in the pub, the governors, and, and uh, you know, we was in the number four limo, Ronnie Cray's uh, thing, and we had the wake at Lenny's, Lenny's pub or the pub we was running. Stories with Roy. Uh, and also Alex Steen, which uh, Alex Steen come from uh, Yorkshire. And uh, he doesn't get the recognition what he deserves. You know, Alex was, he, he was different class, that man. He was, uh, apart from my father, or maybe even with my father, he's the man I would strive to be like. The man, there was no pettiness for that man. There was no, there was no small talk. There was no... He was he, he he was he was a man's man. He was he wasn't a criminal, but he, and, and in the book I really go into a relationship I had with Alex and uh, and and he that man was something special. I mean, he really was something special, mate. You know. Is there anything you'd like to say to the people watching this? Just uh, at the end of the interview here. Uh, no, it, you know, buy the book. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. You know, it's it's not like. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's not like this. You know, this is a story about unlicensed boxing. It's not like you know one 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 of the guys who's won it. It's not a life story. There's no you know. It's not talking about growing up as kids and stuff and like that. This this is about the boxing. It's about the boxing. It's about the fights. It's what happened behind the scenes. What we got up to. You, you know, some of the craziness with the old Bill trying to set us uh, put us down, put uh, stop the fights and. You know, even Nazi boxing when we had a thousand protesters outside of bloody Caesars, you know, you know, trying to stop the show because they reckon we was running money for the EDL, which was cobblers, it weren't. It was a misunderstanding. So there's there's, there's a lot of stuff in the book which uh, sets the record straight. You know, if anyone's interested in, in, in the governor title, instead of looking at this group and that group and this group and that group, it's all in that book. And it, and, and it isn't, and it's coming from the person who promoted the bloody fights. So, I mean, I promoted the fights, you know, along with a couple of Ricky English and people, but I actually promoted the fights. So it's coming from what they say, the horse's mouth, you know, what, what happened and that, how it happened and, and who I believe, you know, has the right to call himself the governor. Some people watching this might want to follow you on social media or contact you. What's your preferred methods? Uh, we got the face page, uh, Facebook, fa Facebook page? Uh, group page. What's it called? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're going to put the link below yeah, this video. Um, it's anyway. called Unlicensed, I think. It's called Unlicensed, Who's the Governor? Yeah. yeah. And if people want to contact you, what's your preferred? Through face through the Facebook page? Yeah, they can. Get, I, I think there's a link on it in there where they can put a message or something. Yeah. There, can't they? So, I mean, I'll get some, I'll get cut of people to run the, the things for me, but I always get the messages, you know what I mean? If I'm not on there myself, anyway. Yeah. All right, so please let us know in the comments what you thought about this video today. Huge thank you to all the new subscribers. Subscription logos in the bottom right-hand corner. Huge thank you to people who donated so we can do podcasts in the studio with our cameraman and our sound engineer. And we're back up to doing two a week presently, so hope to keep that momentum going. And huge thank you to um, all the people who have gone down and clicked on our other playlists and links and all our other stuff, which are also in the description box below this video. All right, Joe, give us a hug, man. Cheers, that was brilliant. What a journey. Yeah, you liked yeah, it. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, that was great.